After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We are the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. April Vokey, why? Uh, so you kind of like don't, you're not even like, you never were an American. No. That's one problem with you. Well, but now you're not even like, <laughs> you're not even Canadian now? No, I'm totally Canadian. Where'd you but get you, that from? But you, what, what's going on with Australia? All right. I live half the year in Canada and half the year in Australia. I fell in love with an Australian bloke. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do people know what you got going on? Which part of it? You mean this enormous belly I'm rocking yeah, right now? Yeah, that big yeah, old... Yeah, they know. They know? So yeah. what's, so you, you you got wedlocked? Let's just be honest. I just ate so much Mexican food before I got yeah. here. It's crazy. No, no. Yeah, I'm pregnant. I got married and married and pregnant. How did all that play out? Where were you when you met the Australian? <laughs> okay, we're going to start there. Uh, I was on a fishing trip in Norway. And just uh, doing my usual thing. I travel the world. I fish. Yeah. And I walked outside of the farmhouse, and there was this handsome, big... Aussie man with bright blue eyes, and that was that. And he was a tourist, too. No, he goes there every year to fish. Well, yeah, yeah, sure, he's a tourist, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What were you guys fishing for? Atlantic salmon, yeah. You ever fish smallmouth bass? Of course I have. Yeah. Yeah. How about largemouth bass? Yes, of course I have. You know what? I don't care. I bet you haven't caught as many as Matt Elliott. Oh, right. <laughs> as he laughs. Well, looking at his bass boat, I don't know if many people have. It's pretty fancy. So along with April Volkey, uh Matt Elliott's here. Matt Elliott, um, how many, I just want to touch on one thing real quick. Yeah. How many bass have you caught in your life? 923,462. You are not serious right now. You do not count them. Oh my God, I was going to walk out. Okay. I have no idea, but I've never caught one on a fly rod. Oh, seriously? Mm -hmm. I love fly fishing. Have you ever seen a dude, now Matt has a genuine bass boat. Well, it doesn't have sparkles. So I don't it, know how no, it, it, it is. Mega sparkles. What? My no daughter, way. the first thing my daughter noticed was that, that boat has sparkles. How and did how I did miss that the, coming in? All, the whole gel coat, every color is sparkles. Oh my God, I totally missed that. Yeah. Right after Matt showed me where the oh shit handles are, he perceived the retractable oh shit handles. Yeah, he, he showed me how fast, I don't know, if, uh, how fast did we go? We went like 45. Okay, it goes 80. That's fast enough to make you hang on to those ha- yeah. handles. Well, it was so rough. I can't believe how many boats there are in Lake Washington. Oh, yeah. Like yesterday we were out, it wasn't even close to today. But wait, 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 wait. It's just a line of boats. 
Back to sparkles. Yeah. Why does a boat have to? Why, why does a do bass, bass guys? To, why are they so flashy? Is that right? what you're trying to yeah. say? Yeah. Why? What is, what is up with that? I don't I, understand. Because you're not a flashy guy. I have no idea. You're I, not like I, a I cannot me answer guy. the sparkles question. But you have sparkles on your boat. I do. Did you put them there? It was uh, second, and, oh, you bought it secondhand. It did. Oh, okay. I All did. right. You and bought I, it from a... See, Matt is a now and then professional angler. Okay. Is, is that, that fair to say? Is that what you call it? Well... I'd no, like, not, okay, I don't, no, I'd like to tell my the, wife I don't that. want to put it that way. <laughs> I don't want to put it that way. You you fish bass tournaments. Yes. At, but not as your main occupation. No. And spend tens, I mean, including the boat and all the gear and everything, you know, th- thousands and thousands of dollars, and every once in a while we win like 120 So you're still, you, you're, you're, oh, you're oh, still yeah. like running I mean, at it. You're still at a deficit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. And so I had never gone real bass fishing. I mean, I've caught a lot of bass, but I've never gone out in, by real bass fashion, I mean out in a bass boat where no one is even thinking about trying live bait and um, catching bass and letting them go. Yeah. And I did that uh, yesterday. Did you like it? Matt. I did like it. I liked it because I was learning a lot. Mm-hmm. But Matt, so Matt's done this, caught I don't know how many bass, and the guy had never eaten a bass. No. Till tonight. Yeah. Oh, cool! You kept one. Yeah, nice. How, how well, we, we over we overkilled yesterday. We kept four. We kept three dinkers and one good one that had a hook in its eye. I got some blood on the sparkles, and then we just started killing. Yeah. <laughs> so then Matt had his first. What did you think of your smallmouth sandwich? <laughs> it was really good. It was good. It tastes like a lake fish. Yeah. Are they bony? No. 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 Because no. Steve has a trick to get the pin bones out, where he cuts a little V notch in it and just pulls on it. It's like pulling the right zipper. Out. They come right out. Really? Yeah, I learned it from my fishing mentor, John Gary. Huh. The late John Gary. Yeah. Uh, you no remorse. No, I, I had some remorse. I think I was telling you. So I, I actually did a little guiding for salmon a long time ago. Killed them. And I have no. And we fished salmon. Every, and I have no problem just killing salmon, cutting gills, and whacking them on the head. And yesterday, watching this smallmouth on the top of the pile of perch in the cooler, with you know breathing gills moving in the air with no water, I was feeling kind of bad. Why don't you which guys, is weird, which is very strange. Why don't you bleed them out, though? You don't need to. Yeah, the, the, those fish, you, yeah, you don't need to bleed those fish out. Some dude in Japan would probably disagree with you. <laughs> There's always some dude somewhere who will disagree yeah, with you. Yeah, that's right. Some dude somewhere eats something that we would say you don't eat, watch some the, dude somewhere uh, would disagree with you. Ask somebody anywhere if you can eat carp and just watch the world explode. Everybody has an opinion. And then how do you harvest them? Anyway, so yeah, so you felt weird. But I'm over it. I think it was just I needed to get over it. I've spent my whole life trying to save every bass I catch 15 minutes at a time, like sometimes trying to pry a hook out. And oh, he's like a surgeon getting his hook yeah. out of there. Oh, oh, you don't pinch your barbs? No. No, but wait, so our bass kind of like... He doesn't care about that much. doesn't care about that I just threw a punch in your gut. I apologize. But are bass like rainbow trout, if there's too many in a lake, they start to get kind of small? Yes. Okay. Oh, they yeah. do. You definitely can run into a, like a kind of a tragedy, the common situation where it gets overpopulated. Yeah. So you're doing a favor to the fishery. It's important for people to eat them. I just never have. Oh. I've spent all this time trying to save them, and so at this so point, when I'm looking them. at them, right? But you're trying to save them. Bad. You're trying to save them so you can catch them again. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Because it's not like you're like trying to save the world by saving bass. No. You want him to be there in case you want to come and catch him again. Yeah. Especially or another ones. dude like you. Right. Are they indigenous, or have no. they been introduced? They've been introduced. It, oh, okay. okay. So, like, the Columbia River, it's 
not a non-native species, but they've been in the river for 100 years. Okay, but yeah, they're not. A no. point he likes to raise because now they're trying to wage war on smallmouth as one of many little things that they think might help salmon. Because oh, they're trying like to getting divert the attention away from Bonneville Power, who likes to hold the water back so there's no flow, so none of the smolt can escape the predators. Gotcha. Right. So they gotcha. scapegoat everything. Got it. I'm on the record on that. But, yeah. yeah. So he's a bass. He's like a bass. Not even a preserve. He's a bass. He's a guy that likes to see more bass in the world. Big ones. Big bass he can catch. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, Well-fed, thick, fat football bass. Yes. So, April, um, are you still, do you still guide here? No. Wait, when you say here, do you mean in the States? Well, in, 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 this, in the in, Western in, Hemisphere. In the industry? Yeah, no. I, you know, I, I started guiding when I was 21, and I always said I would only guide 10 years. And I did my, my 10th year, and after that, I was out. So How'd you know you're only going to guide 10 years? Because if you don't put a cap on it, you'll end up being a 60-year-old guide. And I just don't Is that know. that bad? Yeah, honestly, I don't know very many happy 60-year-old guides. I mean, they might say they are. There may be a few, but it's rare. So I just always knew I'd do 10 years. And it got to the point where after year so eight. So when did the 10 year, when was the 10th year? Uh, so I stopped guiding three years ago. Oh. Yeah, so I still have a guiding operation. You can still book guide a trip through me. I'm just not going to be your guide. Even if they beg and plead. It's not that. I mean, you can still take my classes. I still do a lot of teaching. But yeah, I can't. I you. You're not out on the water with nah, the client being like, I, cast over there, cast over there. I want to fish. Why and are I, you hanging up on the brink all the time? Totally. In 10 hours, I mean, 10 hours a day, you're sitting there being like, I could be doing so many other things right now or doing another business or hunting or fishing or I don't know. I just it got to the point where I was just ready to have some me time for sure. And what, so the, what was the year, how old were you and what was the year that you started doing it? Do it guiding? Yeah. So I would have been 21. I'm 34 now. And that was guiding steelhead yeah, so in no, British well, Columbia. Not, not, not really. So I actually was a sturgeon guide on the Fraser. So I ran a 21-foot North River on the Fraser River with a different outfitter. Oh, not fly poling. No, shit no. I learned everything. I learned on conventional gear. I mean, oh, I was fly fishing. Really? Yeah, hell yeah. That's, yeah. I think that if you really want to well, be. you kind of became like a known person for catching fisher. steelhead yeah. on a fly. I've been fishing a spoon all week on my property up north trying to get a Chinook for the smoker. Oh, yeah. No, I fish gear 100% because I still, I do believe that if you really want to understand a fish behavior or a species behavior, you have to fish you conventional gear. put a treble hook gear. into his lip. Well, not necessarily. Relaxer, hillbilly, Steve. Like, yeah. you need to be able to fish like a single hook, a barbless hook in BC, right? But yeah, no, so I, I guided for sturgeon and Pacific salmon on the Fraser for someone else. Catching sturgeon how? Uh, on, with bait. Yeah, so I'd go out first thing in the morning, depending on the time of year. If it's like the spring we're fishing, you know, maybe you're fishing ooligans, or maybe you're trapping ditch eels in, in the ditch in hay bales, or whatever it is, right? But in the summertime, you're going, and in the fall, you're going around first thing in the morning, you're looking for seagulls in the water, because they're usually on top of a big floating dead salmon. And then you go around in the morning, and you gaff them, throw them on the bow, let them marinate in the sun, or in the, on the bow of your boat, let them marinate in the sun, and dead then, they, yeah, and that's Ripen called stink bait. But I was a horrible, awful sturgeon guide. Horrible tragic like by what measure like you didn't catch sturgeon no no we caught sturgeon any monkey can catch sturgeon but i mean i'm proud of the work i did right well like we, we were part of i'm just part of a tagging program we did a bunch of work we gave back for sure but um i wasn't great at figuring out the drop-offs and you know the boat i always seemed to anchor my boat in the way of a tugboat and i don't know i just wasn't really my shtick yeah. wasn't really my shtick. and i just wasn't patient enough dealing with a lot of the fuckwits out there and you're drinking vodka. Can I say that on your show? Yeah, I think so. Sorry. No, it's yeah. all right. No, totally. You know, but I didn't really catch what it was. They were fuck what? Oh, fuck wit. 
a fuck wit. We say that in Australia. Oh, so oh, you picked you picked up you picked up some uh, Australian lingo. Yeah, because it just makes their fuck wit. But yeah, no, they're drinking on the boat, and it got to the point where I was like, look. I'm not a great sturgeon guide. I'm going to focus more on winter steelhead trips. But my current employer, who was honestly also a fuckwit, um, he couldn't give me the trips I needed. So I, I broke off in 2007, so 10 years ago, and I started my own company. Yeah, and that's kind of how it went. But did I gather, from what we were talking before, did I gather that your mom and dad weren't fishermen? No, no, not at all. What was the... Um, you know, like, what, what, why were you like, when, when in your life were you like, hey, you know, I'm going to try to catch a fish? Yeah, well, I mean, three, four. Oh, so you just had it. Yeah, but, you know, I was more into the water. Like, I was always more about the outdoors in, in general. My parents were totally opposed to hunting. Still are. My dad will not speak to me about it. He'll leave the room disgusted by it. It is not open for discussion. Yeah. But the fishing, they were able to get their heads wrapped around. And so they explained, you know, dad would take me because he was from Newfoundland. We'd go and we'd troll in the lakes for, for trout. We'd use worms and stuff. We weren't, we didn't catch that many, but we went out. And then would have been when I was about seven, I saw a big dead Pacific or like a Chinook salmon. And it wasn't all rotted out and gross and gray and black yet. He was still pretty silver and he'd obviously bumped its head or whatever it was. And my parents explained that that huge fish had to go from you know, they had to get through a river that was only maybe 30 feet wide. And so at seven years old, I'm going, but it's only 30 feet wide. Surely I can catch that fish. And that was when yeah, it all I got started. Him, I got them neck down, right? Where... Uh-huh. And it was never the same after that. So I had an allowance. The fishing shop was next door to the mall. My friends and I went to the mall. They spent their money on that. I spent my money in the fishing shop. I stocked my Plano tackle box and just counted down to get to be 16 and got my driver's license and skipped school and... We're fishing every day and as long, well, not every day, but for the most part, you know, four, four days a week. And the deal was if I brought home straight A's, nobody cared. And that went on from 16 to today. And here we are. Who, how did it ever occur to you that you would make, that you'd make a living fishing? <laughs> yeah, that's like a you, Did you run into fishing guides? No, well, no, thankfully, because if I had, maybe I wouldn't have gone down this route. I mean, I, I knew that fish, that guiding for fish was definitely an option. Mm, how much? Like, I'll try to give you like the the run the quick version of it. So when I was eighteen, I'd seen some fly fishers, and at this point, I knew that's what I wanted to do for a living because I wanted to be able to go fishing every day. And basically, the only mm-hmm. way you still need to eat, right? You need to pay your bills and stuff. And so from there, I just was like, well, well how am I going to do this? And guiding was the, obviously the first thing that came to mind. But there's other ways to make money in the fishing industry. So I wrote out a list of all the pots to put my fingers in and. Then I put together a plan to make it work. and there was what, what else was on the list? Yeah, so at the time, there was I was actually a sales rep once for a real company. That didn't work very long. <laughs> it didn't go very well. But then um, merchandise, and then television, writing, tying custom flies, teaching, uh, guiding, obviously, and then com- commissionable trips. And then that was, this is all pre-social media. Social media did not exist at this time. So if I, if I had known that I would have factored in all the other aspects of influencing and you know sponsors and stuff but at the time that was not on the table so it was pretty much just the basic basic ways of getting by in the fishing like you industry. just knew you were gonna fish yeah well i had to make it work and then what happened was i was a cocktail server at night at the casino so now you know fast forward so basically i'm a gear fisherman i'm, I'm 16 17 i meet this guy when i'm 17 he turns into my best fishing buddy he's in his 60s he was running into me. He's like, girl, it's dangerous out there. We should fish. I thought it was weird and creepy. My parents come out with me one like day. Like he was maybe a little pervy. 
for sure. He yeah. had to have, I thought. Anyway, he wasn't. He wasn't. Turned out he wasn't. No, it turned out he was like my second dad. So my parents came and met him. His name was Dave Puffer. I love you, Dave. You're the shit. So he ends up taking me fishing. And for my 18th birthday, he and all the old guys gave me my first ever fly rod and a bunch of VHS tapes and a bunch of jig tying material. So now I'm paving them. I'm getting ready to start this fly fishing thing. Can I back you up a minute? Yeah, yeah, go for it. There's a couple things. I noticed that people that fly fish refer to say gear, but guys don't say gear. Like what, 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 what comes to mind when you hear the word gear? Mm, any sort of conventional fishing. So like spin casting, um, um, gear and, yeah center pins multipliers yeah, like, but only like fly fishermen use the term gear to talk about other yeah. kinds of ways of well, catching fish yes and no like a gear fisherman will call it do you call yourself a spin fisherman no what do you call yourself I call, sure shit don't call yourself a gear fisherman bass fishing and if and and the the way i differentiate the two you said it is fly fishing and conventional fishing conventional, are the two yeah. ways i say it i don't say gear fishing <clears throat> but people yeah. were fly fishing before spinning reels came out right that's a good con- point. Yeah. That's a good point. So, so, so why is it conventional? Fly fishing is conventional. Right. It's more conventional. Spinning than rods conventional are like fishing. gear. Yeah. Yeah. Fly fishing is good. It's a good point. It's it all good point. Them, it helps them sell those $900 fly rods. But, but um, <laughs> 900 Okay. So that's, that's one question. Yeah. But, but, uh, and then you got a tough skin growing up where you grew up. Yeah. And then so, you got into, and, and that, and that wound up help being helpful with social media. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't understand, like, what do you, what do you mean that you had a hard time with social media? Because I feel like you kind of like, uh, so I thought you kind of, you kind of like built your career on social media. Well, yeah, well, that depends on who you ask. Just because somebody may have learned about me on social media, doesn't mean I built my career on social media. I built my career on guiding and the social media followed as a way of, of marketing, right? So, okay. so, you know, obviously it was able to, to, it worked. It was the right time that it worked. But there's just a lot of hate because there weren't a lot of people doing it at that time. So people were hateful that you were using social media or people were hateful that you were what? Like you, people didn't, weren't, weren't mad at everybody who used social media. Well, there weren't that many people trying to sell themselves on faith. This is just Facebook. So people were saying like, you vain, yeah, totally. you shameless self-promoter. Yeah. Who does she think she is? Shameless self-promoter. Kay. And you didn't like that? No, because I was just trying to. I was using it as a marketing means. Like it was, it was a new way of marketing. If I were to publish all my stuff in a magazine, it was no big deal. If I were to go ahead and put it on television, it was no big deal. If I were to go to the clubs and speak, no big deal. Teaching, whatever. But for some reason, Facebook, this big unknown, was just it just developed a lot of hatred. And at the same time, the forums are coming right. So now you got them hand in hand, and they were just straight up unkind. It's because innovation scares people. It scares everybody. And this is before Instagram and stuff, before everybody in the world was a famous outdoors person, hashtagging the shit oh, that's, and things. That's like, back when every other article in like a business magazine was like, if your company's spending money on a social media manager, you're an idiot, you know? Yeah. Now it, companies have three or four of them. It was yeah. just different. It was just, it was just like, remember the first year of Facebook? I mean, it was just the first year of all But this what were you down. trying to get out of it? Because, like, if, yeah. you, if you got, if all of a sudden you're full balls into social media, was it like you were thinking, I'm going to do this to book clients? Totally. Or you're thinking, I'm going to do this to, like, create some new thing and bring a level of renown no, to myself? I just, no, I just wanted to bring clients. So, I was the guiding company. But it became something, it must have become something more than that after that because you don't guide anymore, but you still do it. Well, it has for all of us. Look what social media has become, but yeah. we'll get there. But, like, yeah. but at the time, it was that if I had a guiding operation and I was the only guide, you had to know who I was if you were going to be guided by me. And so 
I used magazines as well and speaking at clubs and teaching and doing all the other things that we've always done and social media. Did it work? work? Yeah, of course it did. Of course so it, it came. So the so the 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 it was like a lot of applause and su- applause and success, but it was tempered by some hate. For sure, I think it was scary. It was confusing for people too because I would waitress. Remember, I told you I cocktailed all night, so I would serve at night and I would waitress from eight thirty p.m. to four thirty in the morning, or from ten o'clock p.m. to six a.m. And then I'd go straight to the river after cocktailing. So I'd have my hair done and my hair done and makeup did and. Like because I was a sturgeon guide and because I still fish bait sometimes, I had bait under my nails. So the cocktail rules, you have to have nice hands if you're handling chips in the casino. So the only way to get around it was I had to put nails on. So I just had an image that was confusing to people. They just couldn't wrap their like head around Like you were like it. sexualizing fishing. I, sp- I mean, I would have been sexualizing fishing if I was running around with my tits hanging out. It wasn't like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I just looked in a way. I had makeup on. I had a look that was not the norm and people didn't like it. Like it was done up. For sure. It looked like I would have spent all night putting makeup on, but the reality is I didn't want to go home to take it off. Like, But let's say you didn't work the night before. Yeah. Would you then go out, like, would you then get done up or no. not get done up? No, I'd just go to the river. Yeah. But people would see that and they would be like, this For is sure. like this new selling of yeah. something in the way, like I want to sell it in the way I'm comfortable with, mm-hmm. which is me smoking a pipe. Yeah, whatever and it is. Bourbon out of a gin <laughs> yeah. cup. Yeah. And, and just, my old wool shirt on. Like the, with my creel. <laughs> with my just, creel. Yeah, it was a really frustrating time for me because. And they're pissed because you're a good looking girl. And like a lot of dudes hate good looking girls. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I, that's, a sad, that's some sad shit to say, I know, but, but it's like, kind of true. I get it. I judge. I can't help but when I see a woman. They're like, and, I, I can't tell. I either want to have sex with her or I want to kill her. I hate her. I think there's a lot of guys, yeah. or I kind of both. I yeah. mean, there's like a thing that happens with dudes that's like that. Yeah, but they couldn't hear what I was saying, and that was a problem. Was all these companies that are now jumping on board, and everybody wants to have a piece of the pie. That's not meant to be a pun. I'm just saying, right? So... They want to have a piece. So now suddenly your image is being used. And if you don't even own a photograph, it's being sold without, you know, at the time, it's being sold without your permission. Your image is being used now in a way that you don't necessarily want it to be used. And so now you're in a situation where you're not being heard, but you're being seen, which is really hard for me because I have a lot to say. But my podcast is the best thing I ever did. Because now suddenly if you can't see me, you have to hear me. And, and I think I've got some half decent things to say. That's interesting. Yeah. So what you'll notice, and this is going to sound pretty silly, but I've actually, so remember I told you I guided 10 years and I've taken a step back? Yeah. My big step back, I'm done with television. I'm done with all that stuff. My big step back is I'm slowly removing my face. That's the whole point of my entire career and always has been the whole plan. Look, (laughs) excuse me. So some girls want the attention. When you're a cocktail server and you're from Surrey, you get all the attention you need. Okay. You're pumping gas. You got attention. You're walking down the street. You get attention. You go into... Safeway, you get attention. Like, I don't want the attention. I never wanted the attention. You get it anyway as a chick. So it just, when it started coming into my career, I mean, sure, yeah, maybe it helped my career. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. It wasn't my main focus. But now it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. I don't want any of it. So I'm removing my image from the industry and putting my voice and my words out there. And that, for me, has been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Like, my social, you'll notice it's not narcissistic. There's not a bunch of fucking selfies and stuff. You know, it's like, it's, it's the experience. It's, it's maybe what I'm experiencing. Maybe my captions are through my eyes. It's, I'm definitely using the experience, my words and my voice now to be heard rather than my image. And that's been a very, very conscious effort for sure. Has getting married and now 
fixing oh, to have amazing. a kid, change that around. Yes, it's the best thing I ever did. A lot of girls get married and they're too afraid to, you know, tell people because they don't want to lose their following. I went from people really? wasting. Yeah. Oh my God. You have no idea how many women out there ha- have got significant others. Because they're thinking like once mugs, no. Oh, what's that? So like once mugs, no. The guys, once folks, fellas. Yeah. No. Right. That I'm taken. Because I think guys care. They'll be like, well, I'm not going to follow her anymore because now I'm not going to be able to mm-hmm. date her. See it clearly. All, I see it all the time. It's cr- it's hilarious. To me. Really? But, That's yeah. how guys, that this guy, you feel that there, there's evidence to suggest that guys so, think that way? No, no, of course not. I don't think guys no, think that, that the way, girls but the girls think, think that, that way. way. Yeah. That's what she's I know saying. girls who oh, think that way. Okay, but I thought they were thinking that way because it's That's true. That's what they, no, I don't know. Oh, I, I, I see. I also, Their perception is yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Whoever knows. I just want to make sure I'm getting this right. That. That they think that if, if people know that I'm married, guys yeah. won't follow me because they all harbor this. Right. Or want to go on my trips or anything. And that and that does yeah. lead me down a path. So I will say well, can this. I, can I tell you a quick story about that? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay. Years ago, I, I spent some time, uh, a significant amount of time in San Jose, California. I had a girlfriend right. that was doing a writing fellowship in San Jose, California. So I was, in, I was living in Montana, but bouncing back and forth a fair bit. And we got to be friendly with a sushi chef. And his cousin, okay. who was the waitress in the sushi restaurant. Just two of them worked there. Right. It was a guy, the dishwasher in the back. And we become social to the point where we're even going out to dinner together with the cousins. One day, it comes out. There's a slip up, and it comes out that they're, in fact, boyfriend, girlfriend. And we're shocked. And like, why? You know, I don't really understand. I was afraid he wouldn't want to come in anymore. Yes, see, that's what I'm talking about. If you knew that the waitress was my girlfriend and that she was taken, what would bring you in? That, see, that's crazy to me. Yeah. How much faith do you have became, in your product? We became friends right. before he would tell me. But that's my, that's my point. How much faith or faith do you not have in your product if that's what you're relying on? <laughs> I'm not that girl. I, I met yeah. Charles and the second I met him, I knew I was going to marry him. I put it up on my website like, guys, gals. I found the love of my life. End of story. It doesn't matter. And you know why it was the best thing that ever happened to me? My emails went from a bunch of people wasting my time to suddenly people who legit. I've got now suddenly I've got a mature audience who really wants to book me for my trips, and they want to use. Even though you're not going to be on the trip. No, yeah, of course not. And that was the, that was the biggest eye opener for me. But yeah, getting married is one of the best things that I ever did. And I was also very, you know, I was very, very aware of making it clear to the world that I was taking because i don't think it should make a difference if it makes a difference i don't want your i don't want your business anyway so it pulled some of the like it, it pulled some of the sex isn't the right word but it pulled some of the like sexual tension out of the air it did for me with bookings for sure what it did do because the they're only... like hey i'm gonna go on a trip with this gal <laughs> what, right maybe but... she'll really like me yeah well what it did with my host of trips yeah that changed everything so I've always Did had a, really? Yeah, well, I've always had a hard time selling hosted trips. And honestly, I, I hate them. You make no money off them. You end up babysitting. It's a waste of time. But when I did do the occasional hosted trip, all my clients were, were divorced men. Because married men were not allowed to go with me. And oh, I got women you. never wanted to spend more than X amount of dollars. And the couples market, as much as everyone would like to think that couples market's like the saving grace, it's just not there. What, what, can you explain for people what you mean by a hosted trip? Yeah, so there's this thing. I, it's actually really cute. I get a lot of people email me and they'll be like, I want to I want to follow in your steps. I want to make money off of social media and host a trip. And I have to take a step back and be like, hey, you realize that that's not how I make my living, right? Like, not even a little bit. So the thing is, is with the 
host of trips, you go on a trip and you make, if you don't upcharge, you make 15% commission on the trip, right? But then you still have to pay for your flight. Maybe the company pays your flight out. So now you're making X amount of dollars per person. So it's someone saying, we're going to, there's a trip. Yeah. You can come up and fish. You get a free trip and 15% commission or 20% commission on everyone you bring. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. So I get eight people to come with me. Oh, okay. So you go, out and market. you go out to market to people. Yeah. Now, I only did maybe one or two of those a year because I hate them. And it might be like, hey, we're going fishing trout in Argentina. Yeah. There's a lodge. Yeah. You get people all excited to come and fish with you. We're doing the guiding, but you're bringing the clients down, yeah. and we'll give you a cut, a sales commission. Exactly right. That's a hosted trip. That's a hosted trip. I didn't trip. even know that. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people think that they make really, that you can make good money that way. I don't know. It's just not my thing. Yeah, most guys probably just do it to get to exotic locations. That's right. I there's, would think. Be, there's, there are other ways to do it, or you can just actually like make your money doing other stuff and pay to go on a trip. So, I don't know. The hosted trip thing for me was kind of over, and then after I got married, it was definitely over. Nobody wanted to go with. Not nobody. I mean, I had people, but they were all the divorced men were suddenly out, which made my life way easier because I didn't have to deal with any of that, you know, questioning what people's true incentives were. So all in all, like if you look at the whole thing, if you look at all the aspects of your career, yeah, okay, yeah. So the, let's just I'm going <laughs> to take a stab here. And if I'm there's like. Okay. Six things you like, six money generating things that you do. I mean, it's added on since then with the evolution of, of the world we have today. But yeah, sure. Say there's six pots to put your fingers in. Okay. Do you feel that your fingers have gotten deeper into those pots thanks to being a woman or in spite of being a woman? Oh, that's a really good question. It depends on the pot. Um,. That's a really good question. The I, reason honestly, I ask is because I, I would think this, and and, and uh, I would think that the, the that in the outdoor world mm-hmm. there is a certain level of excitement about a woman in the outdoor world because it's been it's like traditionally this male dominated thing. Sure. So there's sort of a, a, a like there's a bit of excitement and a quite a bit of hatred and envy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are you talking about just a regular woman or are you talking about a talented woman? Because it's very different. I'm just talking about the fact that you have the participation rates. Like, okay, let's take hunting, for instance, because I know this number. I don't know in fishing. In hunting, there's a 10% participation rate. Right. Okay. So if you look at the, I think that if you looked at um, 
people making their living in the hunting industry, I would have to guess that people making a living in the hunting industry, probably women are probably, man, this is really difficult to say. No, I'm going to say it for you. Well, let me finish. Let me, because yeah. I haven't fully said it. I there think I know where you're going. On primetime te- I remember there was a point on primetime television and primetime drama that gays became overrepresented in primetime drama where the percentage of gays portrayed in primetime drama was higher than the percentage of gays in the American population. We hit an overrep... Not that this is a... I'm not presenting this as a negative. Just an idea, someone came up with this idea that we hit like an overrepresentation. Right. Okay? Now, if you were to look, are women... Like, are women overrepresented... Yeah, it's catering. In the hunting and fishing thing, or do they come in at 10% of hunting people in the, you know? Yeah, look, it's. You follow it's, what I'm saying? Yeah, it's catering to the minority, is what it is. And so I feel, and I, I have watched a little bit of this hunting thing too go down. I don't have numbers for either industry, but yeah, I think there's definitely, and I think the numbers are growing. I mean, in fly, let's just talk fishing specifically, because that I can speak on for sure. The numbers have absolutely grown for sure, but there's definitely an over. Um, there's def- I think there's a little too much catering. I think that is. I think that there's a lot of women hashtag and and guys. Let's let's just keep it gender gender neutral. People who think that because they have a certain amount of people following their social media that they can throw out a hashtag and suddenly now they're worthy of a sponsor. Like that really bothers me. I've got a real problem with that. I don't. Well, I don't understand what that means. Well, yeah, because do you even do your own social? Yeah. Oh, you do. How many times? I, do, I like Instagram. I use Instagram. Yeah, I like it too. I, I gave up like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that. I like Instagram. Okay, that's fair. I know. I like the crowd. I got it. I, I got like it. the crowd. Okay, so it's really frustrating for me though to see somebody who's been doing this for three months and their, their credibility is based on the amount of followers that they have. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have a real problem with that because maybe I'm old school, but I just remember when you actually- Oh, you like credibility is something more than that. Yeah, like you had to be good. Like yeah. when I was now, I've only been in this industry for 15 years, but you still had to be good. You had to be good, and I still believe today you have to be good. And I get really shitty about it. I mean, the hunting thing—I'm going to be totally honest with you. You know, I'm new to hunting. It's been like a, I got my first bow two, three years ago, right? Like pretty new. I've had people trying to sponsor me in hunting. No way! I am not credible. I'm gotcha. not rep. Like, don't try. Everyone listening to this podcast who sponsors Steve, don't sponsor me. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm serious, and I'll never, so I'll never make a living in. You're saying because they're looking, they're saying like, I'm not looking for expertise. Yeah, I'm looking look at her for following. Social, I'm looking for social. Right? Following. Look at her engagement, yeah. and I just, I don't think it's cool. I don't think that it's right. I don't think I'm worthy of it, and I don't think that you should play the. Fr- I don't think you should be a fraud. I think you should keep it authentic. I don't think that. Matt, can I don't you speak think to all this. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. Go, go so, so I'm going to go with the first one. I'm going to go first one with you were talking about an overrepresentation of gays or females or whatever it is. I I was thinking about that as almost like a slingshot. It's, it, what it is is a response to suppression. Can I, can I back up and say that like the, you, Matt does marketing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this will be great. Just, I'm interested. Yeah. Matt yeah. does yeah. marketing for a for a, a a large successful knife company. He can tell you what it's called with a lot of credibility and and a very authentic <laughs> brand, Benchmade Knife Company. So I, I was thinking about that almost like a slingshot. Like the farther you pull it back, once you release it, the more reaction. It's, it's almost like you know one of Newton's laws. It's like 
you're just going to end up with a greater response to it because it's been suppressed for so long that it's going to take more momentum to overcome. Gotcha. Right? And you're saying pulling back means the holding back of the female voice in right. the outdoor world. Right. So it becomes more and more unique the more it's suppressed, right? Energy, and then yeah. it becomes more marketable because it's more unique, right? Uh, and, and that, I mean, I guess that's the way... I would look at that. But it's not fair. I just feel like... You, wait, wait, wait. So, so, the, so then my, the, the other thought I had yeah, yeah. was that people are good. It depends. Giannis and I were talking about this earlier. It, we were talking about camera guys versus hunters and how it's better to take a camera guy and train him to be a hunter than to take a hunter and train him to be a camera guy. Giannis told you that? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, e- it's, e- it's easier. I got it's, a real problem with that. So, so no, no, I... I <laughs> He'll derail you. Just ignore him. Keep going. So, Keep going. So the, the reason I'm saying that is because you said that you have a problem with people like trying to sponsor you because, for hunting. But maybe they're seeing in you an opportunity for someone that's a really good host. And, and sure. in that. And I've had them say that. Right. And that's cool. Not all hunters but don't make sell good it. hosts. But don't sell it like that. Would you think that George Foreman is really, really, really good at making uh, fat-free grills? Where do you want to draw the line on this conversation? I mean, like, the, the, But look at any person. Like, any so you, spokesman. Did O.J. Simpson, was he like, I'll tell you one thing I know about, it's renting cars. Yeah, but, yeah, okay, fair. But you had a really good point there. I mean, what do you want me for? What do you want me for? There's lots. Do you want me because I'm a good host? Do you want me because of my conservation efforts? Or do you want me because you think that my social media following is going to drive you the traffic? The latter. That you need? Yes, because, yeah, they're, not because they're paying for it. Yeah. Right. I mean, ultimately, the people that are coming to you want you to be able to provide for them return on their investment. That's right. And, and I did it with fishing, and I will not do it with. And it's, and it's totally okay to take that stand, right? Yeah. It's just that not all. There are so many killer, so many killers. Yeah, I forget who that guy was that said those deer hunters were just killers. Pat Durkin. Pat Durkin. There are so many guys who are just killers, right? But that does not mean that they would make good personalities, good television show hosts, any of that, and like. The co- I'm going off on a tangent here, but the coach of the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, he he has always said that it's easier to train football skills than it is football intelligence. So he looks for players with football intelligence, and then he trains them up on the game he wants them to play. Yeah, but there's just so many talented hunters and, and legit female and male hunters yes. and legit female and male fly fishers, and I just would like to see a little more of that credibility go to them, even if it means they have half the amount of following. I just would like to see the game played a little more fair. That's all. You honestly feel that. I honestly believe that's that. That's magnanimous if you do. Well, that, that's where I'm at. You'll never see me sponsored by a company in, in hunting. Never. I give my word. You might, someone might send me something free and I will wear it, but you're not going to be seeing me tag it all over the place and you're not going to be seeing some sort of signed deal relationship. So you're just going to flat ass turn it down. Yep, because I've done it what in if fishing. They, what if they come to you and say this? Oh, hit me with it. Let's hear it. Okay. Better be good. Ready? Better be good. Ready? Uh... April, I know you're not a... I'm coming at you. I'm, I'm the voice, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm the guy. There's I'm only like, one angle you could go on this to get me. Let's hear it. I know that you're entering this journey. Okay, great start. Yep. Um, and <laughs> I think that there's a lot of young women in this country who'd like to take this journey with you. Mm-hmm. And who better to walk along side by side in this journey of discovery? Sure. Then they better let me be so unbelievably odd, like honest to the audience that I'm green as green gets. And I don't know if I want to be that vulnerable in the public eye, honestly. But yeah, no. Did you like my pitch? I I thought it was good. The only other pitch that hit me in the heart once that was pretty good was somebody said to me, we're not seeing a lot of women in the sport with the conservation 
um, deter like mindset that you have. It's refreshing to see it. We like to see that it is starting to happen with you in hunting. We'd like to support you. And I said, that's cool. You can send me stuff. I cannot have some sort of announced relationship with you. And they said, that's totally understandable. Gotcha. So, now, Matt, Matt, give her a pitch. Work up a pitch. <laughs> you guys, I look, just want to hear someone get pitched. <laughs> my integrity just, it, it's just, there's pitch, no Matt? amount of money on it. You do, do, I pitch? do I pitch? Look at him. Look nope. how sweet he is. So, he probably doesn't pitch. So he gets pitched. No, I, that's true. I do end up getting pitched more than I pitch. Yeah. You ever pitch? But no, yeah, we. I come up with. I'll come up with ideas. It's generally it, on the on the fly. So I don't necessarily know that I would have a, a pitch for <laughs> April per se. But I, but I do. But I really do. I do think actually what you said would have some merit. You know, in in that there you're is, liking that. There, the, well, there is some. There is something to be said about female hunter retention. Not necessarily just recruitment, but retention. I, I was at, I was at every year at Shot Show. They do this. The company that does Shot Show is the Shooting Sports Foundation, and they have this research breakfast. And I heard at that research breakfast that although, like, it's the big thing to say is that that females are the are the fastest growing new new uh, like demographic entering the hunting market. But what they don't tell you is that they're also the fastest leaving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're not being retained. So they're buying a license because right. It's because all they're measuring is license buying. Yeah. So what they're not telling you is that they enter and they get no support, no help. The only person they have to go with is maybe their boyfriend or someone else that kind of got them into it, and then they just give up on it. And having someone like yourself being able to help to drive that message, provide a community for people to follow, and, just and come be- along with and, and offer support could really could really give some someone a base to have confidence in themselves as a female hunter. But it's got to be honest. That number got to go down honest. since I got married. Yeah. Because I made, I coerced a boatload of girlfriends into buying hunting tags. <laughs> they never didn't, went back. Didn't you, didn't, didn't you, uh, <laughs> was it you, were you telling me that you, or is that, maybe that was Brody. Somebody, I had a girlfriend one time no, that had did, never hunted at all. Didn't somebody kill a sheep? What were you just talking she, about? She'd never hunted Sorry. before. And then in the spring, uh, got a black bear, turned around and got a mountain goat and a bighorn. Yeah. <laughs> She is talented. You. Yeah, was it big one you? <laughs> yeah, yep. of course it was. <laughs> no, no. Uh, then didn't hunt anymore. Oh no, you're serious. Oh, you didn't just put it on her tag. I like said, she actually. We're gonna, I said you're going to do this. Get your hunter safety. We're going to put you in for all these permits and tags and whatnot. We're going to yeah. tear it up. Yeah, but did, were you putting her kill on no, your tag? No, she no. actually went hunting. No, I'm saying she, no. She spring season she killed a bear. Yeah, and then she left. No, in fall season she killed a mountain goat with a bighorn. Yeah, but then after all after that then year she was stopped gone. going out and it was just like. She was like, yeah, that was fun, and just didn't feel like, just didn't keep hunting. I wonder why it didn't stick. So she just did She was hunting the same way, the same way that if she, I, let's say I went to do something with her. Like, let's say we went down, uh, like I used to have a girlfriend, we'd go down to this thing, um, we'd go down to these lectures by Jewish scholars about um, really old Jewish law, okay? Uh She'd like to do that. I went along with her. We broke up. I didn't keep going to that shit. Got it. Yeah. It's just... I just went because it was like something she wanted to go do. Yeah, yeah. My wife, now and then on our date night, I go to, with my wife to do yoga in a super hot room. Good for you. Uh, I've done that six times. Now, if God forbid something were to happen to my wife, I would not go down and do yoga in a super hot room. Fair enough. But I do it because it, she likes to go do that with me. Yeah. No, that's so I've had a lot of, not a lot, but I had girlfriends over the years a number added up over time, who I would be like, dude, we're going. 
you fill this shit out, get this thing, let's go. If it wasn't for Lacey, I would never watch another episode of The Bachelor ever again. And then when the, if something, <laughs> if heaven forbid, he's done. That'd be it. No more Bachelorette. No more Bachelor. I don't even know what you guys are talking about right now. <laughs> Television <laughs> program. All bachelors. Um, what? Okay, here's another thing. Because I, I, I want to lay off you on this shit for a little while. No, it's fine. It's real. You In totally BC, derailed you me, but I'm thrilled. Let's hear use, it. In BC, you have to use a barbless hook. Yeah. No matter what you're fishing for. Yeah, I think in lake fishing you may... No, I'm going to say single barbless. Yeah. You have to use a barbless hook fishing for bass? I don't know. I haven't actually done any bass fishing in BC. What I'm really getting at is this. Why don't bass guys, Matt, use barbless? Yeah, Matt. Why don't they? I'll tell you why. Because you guys don't really, really care about bass. Oh, he went down the road. I'm going to sit back and eat my popcorn. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I feel like you guys like um, like why not barbless? I I think that every fisherman's motivation is ultimately somewhat selfish. Sure, because yeah. if it wasn't, you just leave them alone. Right, you wouldn't fish because it's you not s- good. I don't, snor- fi- I don't care if you're I don't care if you're fishing. I don't care if you're fishing barbless or whatever. Well, it's a blood sport, right? Blood sport. You are putting a hook in a fish's face, and if you didn't care, if you if you literally cared completely about their survival, then you just wouldn't do it. <laughs> but you add but, snorkel, although. But you will have a higher that, survival rate if you can get the hookup faster. And, and I will take I will take that back only in the fact of what we were mentioning earlier with without retention, the actual population actually can end up in a worse position, right? right? But don't you think you could pop out the hook faster if it was barbless? Yes. Yes. I agree. I, I also think that bass are a much hardier fish species Agreed. than a trout. Hey, have you ever tried this before? Have you ever tried? I don't know if this is nonsense or not, but I have tried it once and it did seem to work on a... On a big bass in, where was I? I was Michigan. Who's the Michigan person here? Me and Yanni. Yeah. 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 So um, you ever heard that if it's gushing blood and uh, you, yeah, I yeah. did it. it. It worked. You it, could see it start to clot. Yeah. Coagulates. Do, yeah. Does it, you does it pour, actually stay? So, so bass fishermen will keep like a can of Sprite or a can of Coke in their boat and you just pour Coke down their throat and it... <laughs> Dude, totally I, serious. I don't know the first thing. <laughs> totally serious. Like, I'm, no, I'm, no fish do- I'm no fish doctor, but I got a feeling that what you're seeing is I think that maybe you're remedying a, you're remedying a visual symptom, maybe. So, so, maybe, but it sure seems I will say. So, the, the serious bass guys, next meat. to their chew tin and their, and their sunflower yeah. seeds, they keep a pop. Back to your question about me caring for or not caring for bass, just to, two examples of this. I once had, when I was guiding, back when I was guiding, not for bass, for salmon and trout, I had a client, I, we'd caught a, a six-pound leopard bow, and he really wanted to hold it, and I, was, I told him no. I said, he, he, if you want to hold it, you can hold it over the side of the boat in the net. You can hold it over the side of the boat. Explain the fish, because there's going to be people that don't know what you're a, talking a, about. A leopard bow is a native rainbow trout in Alaska. They're, they have these huge black spots. They're incredible. They're, I've never even heard of it. They're, they're amazing Beautiful. fish. And, Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, they're they're incredible, and he a caught leopard bow, leopard it's, rainbow trout. It's just like a super a, spotted rainbow. Because in, yeah. in the rainbow. life aquatic, what's the shark they're after? I don't. Well, <laughs> oh, the jaguar shark. That's what it was. Yeah, I guess they're glad. So the huge voracious fish, but trout are notoriously, although they're voracious predators, are notoriously fragile. The delicate yes. fish, right? And so I told him, no, you cannot take. And he he just continued to plead, and finally I said, okay, I'm going to hand you this fish, and you're guiding. And I, yes, I said, I'm going to hand you this fish. I, I had the boat pushed into the bank. I said, hey, you this fish. I want you to hold on to it. And I'll take a picture with you. And I gave him the fish. And what do you think happened? He 
like a bar of soap. It went out of his hands and landed straight on its head in the boat. No. Done. I sat in the water. I sat in the water for 30 minutes in the the frigid water up to my arms trying to revive this fish. And it it would do the thing where it would kind of kick and then you'd let it go in and fall on its side and I'd do it again. And I will do the same thing with the bass. So it's not about me not caring or not caring for bass. I do really care about fish in general. That being said, I care about fish because I love fishing. And if my love for fishing makes me care about fish, does it really matter if I care about the fish because I care about the fish or because I love fishing and that's what, like, whatever it takes for me to care about the resource. And I feel the same way about hunting and conservation in that if nobody cared about it, if, if nobody hunted, if nobody, if no, hunters really care about those animals and if those animals didn't have people that wanted to engage with them, that appreciated them for what they were and that were involved in that, then they wouldn't be in the condition that they were in today and there wouldn't be finance, financing behind it or any of that. So I, I just, I don't know if it, if it matters to me. You're right. The reason I do, ultimately, the reason I do care about fish is because I love fishing. It's not because I just love fish. So that's my, that's <laughs> it's my fair, long-winded no, it's answer. Totally fair. But what you just said and, was totally on point about, like, people need to know about something for them to actually care enough about it to protect it. Yeah, the, the reason that, uh, that we don't use barbless hooks, though, mm. is because they're much easier to get into the boat. <laughs> Because you catch more. Because you catch more. And I think that comes from the tournament culture. Because, you know, there's guys fishing tournaments. Mostly guys, but gals too, fishing tournaments. And sometimes in these tournaments, especially at the high levels that people aspire to, those fish, the difference of ounces can mean the difference between a $20,000 check and a $125,000 check. Yeah, okay, that's, but that brings it to a whole different reason but, of fishing. But that culture, I think, it sort of drives that. Now, and bass also are not as fragile. Like, no, I, not even close. You're, you're yeah. going to be able to release the bass, and there, there's a good chance to live well. If you did that to a trout, there's no way. Well, I got- there's another big factor to consider is that bass aren't, are, would be on the IUCN list. They'd be species of least concern. I mean, there is no... Uh, there is no conservation concern whatsoever on largemouth and smallmouth bass. Typically, you see maybe the region, maybe in some region, some watersheds. But I mean, in a in yeah. a national sense, they both those species are found way, way, way outside of their native ranges. Yes, they're very hardy. Right, it's like a coyote. They're just everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So you're removing the idea that you're gonna like go and and uh, mess up. Something. Right. Some system. Some ecosystem. If yeah. anything, it's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. You find that places like the Columbia River, they've decided. Where they become exotic deleterious. And they even said at the hearing about that, like, well, we don't know if this is going to work. We don't even know if this is going to have an impact on salmon species at all, but, but whatever. We're just going to do it because they're non native. Yeah. I don't even want to go down that road. You don't want to get me started yeah. on that? Um, you don't. Where, where you're from, there's no, like, uh, April. You don't, you guys don't kill steelhead. No, well, it, we kill hatchery steelhead if we're unfortunate enough to have a hatchery system in place. But, no, where I live, so I live in northern BC on the Bulkley River, and it's illegal to retain wild steelhead. Thank God. Just flat out. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to be able to retain wild steelhead. I wish not, there were enough wild steelhead. Why is it still legal to harass them and, and hook them? In a lot of places, it's not. Oh, really? Yeah, no, in a lot of rivers. There's and, rivers that just close. Yeah, like Thompson was my go-to spot i mean i cut my teeth in a lot of ways in the thompson but it shut down and it got low enough where they can't even risk you killing yeah. one on accident not even by accident no 
no. So, yeah, and, I mean, and we all want to be able to retain steelhead. We're not like a bunch of hippies here. Like, we want to retain steelhead. For what reason? To eat them. But yeah. there's just not enough of them out there, right? Like, it's a really fine line. It's a really sensitive subject. And a lot of fisheries that, that are open to fish, I won't fish because I don't feel like it's, it's moral. I don't feel like it's right. Like, you feel like they should get a reprieve. I, yeah, I feel like the fishery should be shut down, for sure. But BC's pretty, not, BC's not bad. BC's pretty good with their regulations, regulations, I feel. So explain your guiding business that, you, that you're still involved in but don't guide. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess technically I'd be a booking agent nowadays. Technically, yeah. I don't have staff. I don't have guides on salary or anything. I mean, I did for the first year or so. I tried to have guides just, you know, they'd be, I'd pay them their day rate. I'd take my cut or whatever. But it just makes, it's just way So what is easier. it? I, I guess I don't understand. Yeah, so here's, so here's, like, so say my day rate, say my day rate for a walk and wait was 600 bucks, right? So then what my other options were. That might be what a steelhead guide makes. Say, yeah, say for a walk and wait. What's trip. a bass guide make? But we're talking not boats. I'm talking walking and waiting. Two hundred fifty dollars a person, yeah. five hundred dollars for the boat. But the, the boat, boat only carries two. Oh yeah, no. See, so it gets to be more expensive than that in BC with boats. But then say, so say I make my six hundred bucks, right? Okay. So but, you're saying like wade fishing. Wade fishing. A guide might make six hundred bucks in a day. Yeah. But now what'll happen is say I've got a guide. I've got to pay my guide twenty five bucks an hour for eight hours. So it's costing me two hundred bucks. But I'm still po- I'm still char- ringing out six hundred bucks. So now I'm pocketing my four hundred bucks, right? So now, if you have three guides out working in a day, now you're taking your 400 per guy. So now you've got 1200 bucks a day. So that works. But then you've got to be licensed. You've got to be insured. You've got to still be dealing with the emails of my flight and my this. And it just was really time consuming. So now I'm at a stage where I'm still super involved in my, in my bookings. Like you reach out to me and I'm going to get you set up. No question. With the fishery that... So you're like a travel agent. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I guess technically these days I probably am because I no longer do the invoicing. I no longer do the helping with the flights. But I'm there to help you through your entire trip. But I'm, I'm now you working. You own the lodge? No, hell no. I would never do that to myself, ever. That's a total money dump. So, but I work with the lodge and make sure that everybody's happy. So really the client has 24-hour support between me and the lodge, whereas for a long time it was just me. And it was just a lot of pressure because I travel, right? I'm always gone. So now it's me and the lodge. And, and it's just easier for me to say, listen, guys, I'll just, take, I'll just take a cut on the client. And then if they just keep coming back, I don't even need to know about it. I'm always here if they need me. But yeah, I guess technically nowadays I am a booking agent. Yeah. So some dude goes online. Yeah. And he's like, man, the thing I really want to do is go to BC and fish steelhead. Yeah. And he types in BC steelhead fishing. Yeah. And he's dicking around, and pretty soon he sees what that would prompt him to call you. Well, a lot of people who are my people who are calling me have heard of me, and, and they're not finding me on Google anymore. And they think you still guide? Not, no, no. I think it's pretty clear nowadays that I'm no longer guiding. And what do they call you for? April, we understand that you are from BC, and we know that you're honest, and you'll tell us where we should go. And I stay true to that, so I get him. I got you. Yeah. So they're using you to keep from getting screwed. Mm-hmm. And then they don't care if I take, because it doesn't, the commission I get doesn't come out of their pocket. It doesn't, there's no price difference for them. But they know I'm going to do my best to make sure that they're totally set up. And the lodge, I, I honestly m- work, mostly work with one lodge on the Skeena now because they take such good care. I mean, I've never had an unhappy client leave this lodge. And they have no problem paying me my percent off the top because they're just happy to have this awesome clientele. So it really is a win-win for everybody. No, I understand it better yeah. now. Yeah. And it's just nice because so I'm... starting off from like ground zero. Yep. And 
and you've developed a reputation of putting them into a quality trip. Mm-hmm. And if you put your your if you approve, put your stamp of approval on a thing. Yeah, that's a value. And is, and the other thing you need to remember is I'm there, right? Like I'm in Northern BC, so I'm going to come by and be like, hey, you know, hey Bob, how's it going? Has everything doing? And and my best friend guides out of this lodge, and the guy who owns it is one of my good buddies. Like. They really are walking into a family environment. Like something you need to realize is I, I guided five years on the Dean River, and which is a really famous river in BC. And I basically subcontracted out the lodge. It was, it was a family environment. Like you came, when you came, you were guided by me, but you were coming because obviously the fishery is incredible, but it was myself, my brother-in-law, my sister, and a cook. Like it was a really small, intimate operation. And I still take pride in that. Like if you come to fish with us in BC at the lodge I work with, which is called Skeena Spay, it's still the same thing. I'm there. Brian, who owns the place, is there. My best friend's there. It's still this real intimate venue. And nobody, there's no bullshit. Like I'll never, ever, ever try to take your money just to get you into a lodge, ever. If it's not your best interest, I will not, I'll tell you straight up, don't come. Is this lodge on the road system, or is it like is there a fly? No, no, it's lodge? on the it's on the river. It's on the road system on on the river. Yeah, yeah. And then now that you are in Australia, you're still doing that. Yeah, well, I'm only in Australia in the winter. Right, I live. I live. So does your old man come here with you when you're here? He comes here for four to six weeks when I'm here for my. So he lives and works there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know what's going to happen with the baby. Things are going to change, but. I bought the property before I met Charles. I was really, I was established and had my own, had my property and my dream. So I had bought 20 acres on the Bulkley and it was just bare land. And my dream was to build it up from scratch and just have it be like my, I just kind of wanted to live off land and, and just, I've got this beautiful riverfront property. It's full of fish and there's a bunch of grouse on the property. And I mean, it's not a huge property, but my neighbors all own like 600 acres. I mean, there's just lots of land there. You don't mean that you're going to build a lodge. No, no. I was going to build my little cabin out of my poplars on the, on the property. I quickly learned that that wasn't going to work. So first year before I met Charles, I lived up there in a trailer. And then I met him and I built a wall tent. with We, we put up a wall tent. And then the next year, we were able to stay in the wall tent and was able to insulate the, the wall tent. And then it came down in an ice storm, which is to be expected. That's fine. And then this last year, I spent... A bunch of time with with buddies building up all four walls and a roof and making it into like a little shack. And then right now, where I was yesterday, where I, where I am at this time of my year, is up there right now doing all the rest of all my maintenance and just getting ready for the season. Yeah, and he'll come in. He comes in September fifteenth, so he'll be in a little later. He comes in for the he comes in for the fishing, and I go in for the the maintenance. Yeah, but that's cool because he does the maintenance. It is you know the stuff in Australia, so. He's got his life. I've got is my life. Is he in life. the fishing business? No, 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 no. Oh. No, we went on a fishing trip, but he's not in the business now. Yeah, been there, done that, Steve. Come on. I want to know how you insulated the wall tent. Yeah, great question. So the floor, and then I had panels. So what I did was I put in um, like a like a structure, right? So on beams, and then had to put bat. We call them bats. Do you guys call them bats? Like the foam foam insulation. Bats. I don't know what you're talking about. The big roll that you put in between. No, like big studs. huge, big huge slats that you just cut up. Um, the pig foam. Or, yeah, no, no. That those are the bats on the wall. Sorry, the the card, the the foam, the sheets, the sheets. I know, I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. so you put those on the floor, and then we put uh, laminate on top, and then we put bats, ones that you don't want to touch with your hands because they, yep. yeah, in the walls. So I had like a four foot structure all the way around of these, um, like a like wood. What's that thin wood? Plywood. Yeah, no, no. This that, yeah, like a veneer all the way around it, and then that was able to insulate. But we couldn't insulate up top, obviously, because the, the wall tent was 15 by 20, and 
So we did lose heat that way. I put in a, a wood stove and that was able to maintain some temperature. But now, and then, you know, when it came down, we obviously rebuilt and put in baths all the way along and put insulation into the roof. And so now we've got them actually warm. But it worked. It did work. We definitely were able to keep some heat in. But um, we did lose, lose heat through the top of the wall tent, yeah. It was a badass tent. I wish you Sounds guys like could have nice seen spot. it. Sounds like a nice spot. Yeah. What's the name it's of the river again? The Bulkley. There's no fish in it. There's no fish? <laughs> yeah, there's fish. Oh, no, it is good. You're like joking. It is good fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you just don't want people flocking up there. It's busy. It's busy these days. So I literally, I fish, I wake up, I fish the right, because my spot's right between, so there's like a launch up here, and then there's a takeout point there. Yeah. So the only way to get to my place because if I, if you come in in a jet boat, I can hear you, so I'm going to beat you to the river. And then if you're coming down in a in a raft, it takes you quite some time to get to where I'm oh, at. Oh, I got you. Yeah, so I usually go out and fish first thing in so the morning. You can fish first thing in the morning for the first raft. Or totally. So and then when I do see the first raft, I usually just very quietly disappear so that I'm not ruining their day and they still feel like they have fresh water. And then that's when I actually go back to my like life. So I'm constantly falling trees, bucking trees, splitting trees. And then that's when, remember I spoke to you last time when I was here and I was talking about all this grouse hunting I'm doing. So I spend most of my day just grouse hunting and then come back, do all my chores, pump water, do all that stuff and then fish in the evening and then cook and do it all again the next day. And you're talking just fishing for steelhead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was there just like this last couple of weeks. I was there fishing for Chinook. Oh, okay. Like I was saying with spoons. And then when I go back up, um, I'll be fishing for coho. Now, Matt, have you guided, did you ever guide bass? No. I've never guided bass. Just if, salmon. If I remember this right, you got interested in tournament bass fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, because of working in a sporting goods store. I got interested in tournament bass fishing and then ended up working in a sporting goods store because of that. So I, I fell in love with fishing at a very young age, like three, kind of the same, and, and started with warm water fish, catching bluegill on corn under my friend's dock. And then caught, I, I vividly remember, I think any hardcore fish junkie remembers the first fish that sort of started their obsession. Uh, I caught a fish in the a rainbow trout in the Metolius on this overhanging undercut bank ledge I was standing on. It was an incredible fish. I still have a picture of it to this day. I mean, this was a long time ago we kept that fish. But uh, No, then through that, through the years, I ended up getting into bass fishing a lot just because I like the approach. I like sort of patterning bass because they're resident fish. It's sort of the same way you pattern trout as opposed to fish that migrate salmon steelhead i just like we got to wait all damn year to have a yeah yeah crack at them. and i just think that it's interesting a fish that lives in that body of water the way that things change for them even throughout the day and bass can be unpredictable they can also be predictable but anyhow so i i, I got really into bass fishing and then one day i was down on the river fishing and my buddy brought this other guy who turns out fish terms he's older than us but I didn't even really, I'd never even thought about tournament fishing, but he started talking to me a little bit about it, and it got me interested in it. And so I started talking to the guys. Because you could make you Mongo dollars? No, because I thought it was cool. Like, we had a little, we decided to put a little side bet down that day, and I beat that guy. Not that I was better than him. I just caught more fish than him that day, and I just I thought it was cool that you could be competitive at fishing. I never thought about fishing against somebody. I mean, I thought about fishing against yourself, but not against somebody else. And so then... I started going into the sporting goods stores and talking to the guys that worked there about bass fishing, and I met the guy that ended up becoming my mentor, a guy named Gary Yexley, and 
and then he ended up, he was a fishing store manager. And then when he moved from a store, Fisherman's Marine, which is in the city I live in, to Sportsman's Warehouse, I then, he, he asked me to come work for him. I was guiding in Alaska in the summers and, and in college at that point in time. And he said, you know, he's like, well, come work for me. You can have the summers off to guide. I said, okay, I'll, I'll come work at the sporting goods store. And that's actually how I met my wife, Lacey. Oh, yeah, cool. I was going to tell yeah. April a little bit about you meeting her to get her opinion on it. The the overview provided at Sportsman's Warehouse. <laughs> oh the oh oh can yeah the, the creeper status. Can I yeah. Touch, yeah, I can touch I'm on that. I'm always when I go into I'm the, nervous the first right thing now. I do. I look, I look up there to make sure there's no employees. Man was telling him he me. caught wind of uh, he caught wind of a, a new woman working at the place. Wait, wait, I saw. It. <laughs> I got. If we're gonna, if we're gonna dra- if I'm gonna get drugged into this, I gotta tell the story. It'll be very honest representation. I promise. <laughs> I was gonna tell my own version because <laughs> I just made up kind of mostly in my head. Okay, let's. So hear I was your I was li- I was living with with my friend Dylan at the time, <laughs> and he'd come into he'd come into Sportsman's. Uh, he used to go there all the time, like like everybody would to get their fishing gear. And I was working in the fishing department, and and he comes home one night, and he he's like, "Who is that? Who is the girl?" Who is that redheaded girl that works at the front of the store? And I'm like what? I I just come back from fishing in Alaska. She had just gotten a job there while I was gone, and and I wasn't that familiar. But honestly, I hadn't. I don't know that I was paying a whole lot of attention. And he was like, "Who is that redheaded girl?" She, yeah, late. Like the only girl I can think of is Lacey, and I just hadn't really hadn't clicked before. So I'm like, okay, maybe I should like check check out Lacey and see. But you've seen up. her before. So in Sportsman's Warehouse, yeah, yeah, I'd seen her before. Okay. I just hadn't. I, I don't know that I was like really out crawling looking for. Wait, so girlfriend. you got out of a season in Alaska, and you. Really? That's like getting out of jail. Every time I got out of a guiding season when I was single, I was like out of jail. Okay. I was, I was <laughs> enjoying amazing. my life as a, as a bachelor man, fishing and doing anything. Without looking at women? I, okay. No, no. But I was, yeah, I was in college. I was like, so I, 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 sportsman's warehouse, if you've ever been in one, they're all the same. And they have this catwalk around the upstairs, and that's where they keep all the storage. And so I like, I went up to the catwalk and I went up to like, you can see over customer service in the front desk. And I was like looking down there. Lacey was down <laughs> there. And I, just, I was, at her. I was <laughs> just standing up there her. staring at her. I was like, I was like, yeah, Lacey is hot. Like I need to go talk to Lacey. And she sort of like triggered something. So, so what's yeah. that say to you? It just says to me, why did you have to be uh, what, where nobody else could see you? Like, what were you doing up there? Yeah, staring why don't at least, go at with Lacey? anybody else and go up to the front of the store? <laughs> I just, that was, <laughs> no, I thought it was going to be worse. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that yeah, part of it. Yeah, oh, exactly. yeah. No, I'm just up here because uh, I want to see if there are any new kind of candy bars you uh-huh. were carrying. And what kind of candy yeah. bars are you playing with? Snickers. And, it's like, and, it, and it's over, and that's over in the clothing department. I work way over in fishing, so I would have been so totally it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't there. have made sense. It wouldn't have made any sense. There. No, I would have been like, what are you doing up here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were I'm blocked by like nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what would you have done? If, like, what if she looked up? What if she looked up? Uh, yeah. He would have acted like I, he's I like messing with some merch. But I like to think that Lacey, I like to think that Lacey kind of like thought I was cute too. So maybe she would have been like, oh, who's the who's that cute, creepy guy? <laughs> did you later say to her, like when you asked her out, did you say, you know, uh, I've been up in the the catwalk. <laughs> Uh, looking down, it was years. Looking down, <laughs> it was years before I let on about that. She she actually started coming back and talking. To, I'm I'm a total weenie when it comes to talking to girls. She she came. It's hard to talk. Yeah, to I'm you. I'm not good at it. She she came back. Well, you're and started, done it now. You don't she, need to talk to me anymore. No, it worked <laughs> out very well. So she 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 actually came back and started talking to me in fishing. So 
She's so, she's a lot more she's a lot braver than I am. Was she? Uh, so now that is she this knows, where the back stock of the Snickers is yeah. back here underneath the lures. <laughs> is she now that she know when she found out about that she wasn't troubled by that? No. Well, it's too late at that point. No, I don't think she was troubled by that. Yeah, it, it was probably too late. No, and I don't. It honestly was very innocent. It, it would have been cute because after you know he's yeah. not crazy, but. Like, there's always a moment in the first year when we're dating you guys, and we're like, is he crazy? Like, yeah. is it there? Same with you guys to oh, us, right? Like, yeah, are no, she I'm crazy? Sure. Yeah, and then, and then you're like, and then you reach that moment where you're like, now I can tell her that I really am crazy, and she won't leave me. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So you just, and then you both realize how crazy you are. There you go. But I think that, yeah, but <laughs> I think horrible. early on, you really are. The main thing you're doing, like, once you get to a point where you want, once you get to the point where you, you're open to the idea of settling down. I think when you're dating, all you all you're really trying to do is suss out the craziness. Mm. If you got half a brain, that's what you're trying to do. It's like dating is saying like I'm trying to determine because obviously the fact that I'm here and you're here, I'm, I'm obviously I'm attracted to you, right? Like all that stuff's in place. Yeah. Now I just need to find out whether you're insane or not. Yeah, I think some people miss that part and they wind up married to insane people. It does happen. It really does happen. Yeah, yeah. but I think like. A reasonable approach, like a reasonable way to describe the process is to be like, I'm finding out how livable you are. <laughs> right. You know, because I'm, I'm attracted to you. Like I am because I wouldn't have said yes or I wouldn't have asked you out. Yeah. So the second part is, you know. Well, how likable are you? How, I mean, how crazy you are falls under that. How yeah. likable you are. Right. How much you can handle that person. How much you want to be away from them, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, we are totally sussing out the crazy. And uh, and you had like you you so you were saying you had like a love at first sight moment. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I really did honestly have like in the movies love at first sight moment. But there's still you're still always trying to be on best behavior in the first year, and you're still always wondering. You'll see something and you'd be like, oh, is that like is that a, is that a crazy tendency that he has, or is that just is that a flaw? Can I handle that flaw? Yeah. Can I handle that flaw forever? Is that flaw? If he doesn't fix it, because he's well, Charles is forty five years old. Like, let's get real. I'm not fixing the guy. So how old are you? Thirty four. So he's eleven years older. So for me, it was like, okay, that's who he is. Am I cool with that? Yeah, yeah, I'm cool with that. And you don't so call I'm, you don't call him Chuck. No, he's no, he's like he's, he's like Charles. Charles, yeah, yeah. yeah. Charles. Charles. He's an Aussie, so it's no hard R, no hard R's, no Charles. And it wasn't hard for you just to give up on. Uh, just to move to Australia? Well, no, because when I met him, I always my whole plan has always been I was going to live somewhere warm in the winter. Really? Yeah, because oh, I I guided, so That's why you liked him. Well, no, no. Like, where are you from again? He's rather attractive. He's got. He's what's got. Weather, what's the weather like there? No, he's got that Aussie accent. Every time he said water, every time he said water, I was like, oh, you're mine. It's all mine. But yeah, no. So what happened was, I was always I was always traveling in my off season. And I only fished for winter steelhead. I mean, I fished for winter steelhead when I was a crazy obsessed, had to be fishing every single day of the week angler. And then for so long, it became work. So it just, I kind of lost the passion for winter steelhead. I've never lost passion for summer steelhead, but winter steelhead was hard. I had a really bad car accident. I've got a rebuilt foot and it just got, started to get really hard out in the, in the cold water and the cold weather. And so I started doing a lot of, I do a lot of permit fishing and a lot of saltwater fishing. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, tons of flats fishing. And so I've been spending all of my May, June, July doing as much of that as possible. Well, May and June, some April if I could take the time off. And I started to look for places to purchase. So I was either going to buy in the Keys 
or in Roatan. And I found this piece of property in Roatan. Because you were going to guide down there. No, no, no. I've always known I was not going to guide for that long. I You're just going to buy this as a recreational property. And I'm just going to live and disappear. That was always the plan. And so when I met Charles, it was like, well, Australia is just a lot longer plane ride. And then, of course, the and big... a lot less permit. No, there's tons of permit in Australia. Australia's good for permit? Yeah, yeah. People don't talk about going for permit I to Australia. Know. People don't know anything about Australian fishing. Yeah, the Indo-Pacific permit. It's a little different, but they're actually really? better looking fish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You never hear someone say, I'm going to Australia for permit. Good. Let's keep it that way. Let's keep it that way. Keep it quiet. But yeah, no, there's fantastic permit fishing in Australia. And Marlin. I mean, Marlin's like my big, huge obsession these days, Marlin fishing. You know what, man? With a fly rod? Yeah. Okay. Check this out. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait, Steve. What do you got? I was just down in, uh, I was down in, Sal- down in Mexico on the Pacific Coast mm-hmm. uh, near Salulita fishing with my family. And we're out. Fishing gear. Conventional. With bait. Yeah. And there's a fly guy. Okay. Okay. But now, we, we use bait, though, to get the fish up yeah, so listen, we can toss fly. Pathetic. Yeah. He's got two guys on the boat. Yeah. Okay. They obviously went out with a cast net for like three days and, and caught enough. And caught, I can't even imagine how much bait they had on this boat. Yeah. There's two guys <laughs> whose job it is. They're called deckies. They're deckies. To shovel live <laughs> bait overboard. No, he's chumming. While this guy flails the water. Oh, yeah, no, that's And not. they are raining, I mean, raining scoops of live <laughs> bait into the water. Well, this guy just beats the water, beats the water, beats the water. There's seagulls coming down to eat this bait they're throwing out. Fish are all over the place. And eventually, of course, of course, a fish he, like, out. catches one on a fly. Wait, 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 wait. It's like bull. But no, hold on. But that is like, is that a Mexican thing? Because that is not how people fly fish from Marlin. No, I'm not saying how we do it is any better. How do you draw it up? I'm not saying it's any better. The plug? In Was fact, it for our- Marlin, what they were doing? No, no, the rooster fish. Oh. Oh, well, that's why. Look, now, I'm not saying what we do no, is any saying- better. But what we do may even be worse. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Because you put a plug in front of it on, a, on gear. Yep. And okay. then you reel it up. Yeah. And eventually plaster a fly down in front of it instead Bait of the plug. Switch. And I guess it's worse because we spend a ton of gas trolling. It's my number one guilty conscious conscience thing that I do is trolling for Marlin. Because I know Because you're using I gear. Yeah, you're using gear no, to attract It's the not Marlin. the gear. I don't mind the gear. I it's mind just using sucking the, all the, gas. the boat. Yeah. And so the whole point though is to create this disturbance and whitewash to make it look like you're a big school of tuna. Yeah. And then your your lure or your dragged sardine or whatever it is that or slimy mackerel, whatever it is that you've got in the back is um, looking like a trailing, you know, behind fish. And then, of course, it comes up. Everyone freaks out. The bill's up. And it, it's all, the fish is all fluorescent. And it's coming in. And you got a decky here. And then you got your captain up there. And it's just a total cluster. And so he's reeling in. And then right as he's about to yank the bait out of the way, he, you know, you go, yep, yep. You communicate. He pulls it out. You cast it in. And then it's fish on. Anyone but who catches a marlin. Like, <laughs> doesn't the amount of bullshit start to get to you? Not necessarily, if you're honest about it. So the reality is anyone who's caught a marlin who stands there in a photo and says, this is my marlin. No, it takes four. It depends. Like when Charles and I go out on our own, it's the two of us. So what we've got is we've got our, our boat. We troll in our, t- in our little boat, okay? He's got the, the gear rod or me, whoever's on, on, on draw or whoever's on you know, up to, to cast. So he's on the gear rod or on the, what do we want, what do we want to call on this, um, 
Teaser. He's teaser pr- bait. Like a, yeah. He's on our teaser bait, okay? And I've got the daisy chain out. So he's got the teaser here. I've got the daisy chain out here on this side. What's the daisy chain attached It's like to? a it's a series of squid. I've got it roped off and tied onto the cleat. Oh, the cleat. Yeah. Another teaser. So it comes up. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a shorter teaser, sure, if you will, right? No so, hooks? No. Okay. Neither have hooks. So the fish comes up, he reels in. This is what I love doing, but just when it's just me and Charles. He is trying to reel the teaser bait in. I'm now doing the crazy daisy chain, roly-poly, trying to get How it in the boat. How long is the daisy chain? It's only maybe, the daisy chain itself is probably only six feet, and it's only put back maybe, you know, ten, eight, ten feet, not very far. So I got to get the daisy chain in the boat. He's got to get that in, you know, the teaser bait in. He's got to go, yep, I got to go, yep, I got to get my flyer out, I got to make the cast and land it in front of the fish. It's still a team effort. It is yeah, almost got, always a but, team effort. But you're so in love with the idea. You're so in love with the idea of being able to say that it was a fly rod. Not necessarily. That you're, able, that you're going no. to like stop. You're preventing the fish from getting hooked in all these ways. So yeah. that at the last minute, you can get it hooked on a fly. Be like, I caught it on a fly rod. Not necessarily. It's a totally different fight. Because I've caught them on gear. I've caught Marlon on gear. They're great. Super fun. How, how's it? It's not like you're, you're not like doing some standing on a rock doing like the shadow cast. There's you're no such thing as a shadow cast. I know, that's what I'm saying. You're just <laughs> flopping this thing down. How's it, it mean because the reel's a little bit different? No, it depends on how you want to pitch it. I mean, like, if you're going around and you're promoting yourself all over the place saying, look at what I caught on a fly rod, then that's one thing. But the reality is it's just an entirely different fight. Like, for me, my reel, just to have it... I don't. I mean, I guess that's a really good point, and it's a really good argument. It's just bullshit. Well, no, depending on how you want to look at it, it's, it's, no, it's not just bullshit. It depends on what I got challenge. a friend who's a lion hunter. He's a houndsman. Okay. And when he gets a guy, when he takes yeah. a guy out and they tree a lion, <laughs> yeah. and a bow hunter is like, I'm going to shoot with my bow. Right. Well, he doesn't like it. But he's like, okay, shoot with your bow. The guy shoots with the bow. He's like, I killed a lion with my bow. With my bow. He's like, you killed a lion with hounds. Yeah, but you're talking about someone doing sh- it. From the bow didn't have anything to do with this. Yeah, but that's, uh, so for me, it's a challenge thing. I cannot, so the biggest marlin I could land if I was lucky on a fly rod, if I was lucky, it would be a 300 pounder, if I was lucky. Okay. You just immediately, you just, you disadvantage yourself. It's just harder. So it's at the like, la- you're like, okay, I'm going to do all this shit and I got conventional gear and spinning rods and this and that and live bait. It just made it one last, step harder. At the last second, I'm gonna I am going to, I'm going to, limp dick myself and throw out a fly pole totally that's exactly what because it is. maybe he'll break off well it's more than that i don't know it just depends on what your challenge is like what do you set out to do and what's your motive i don't know what everyone's motive is mine is not to post a social media photo it's just i have this thing in my head that it'd be really cool to catch one on the fly i just wanted i just want it for myself i just want to catch one on the fly by any by any means here's no the thing. not here's by the any thing. means necessary it's by any means as long as it ends up with a fly. If you wanted to have, a, if no, if you wanted to have a better out, argument, if you wanted a better argument, because there's a better you're argument. You're giving me a better argument? Yeah, I oh, am. please. There's a better argument a better than, than what you're giving me. You do, because that's, <laughs> you just limp-dicked yourself because you got nothing. Here's the thing. A better argument this would be this. great. All right. Let's talk IGFA bullshit. So a better argument would be, what do you think about this? If you troll your fly behind the boat and the boat is running, so you're trolling. Okay. And you hook a marlin so on you're the fly. Trolling a fly, trolling right? a fly, right? It doesn't count. But why? Let me finish. If but if you are want to do it prop now, no, you can see me. No one else can see my hands. If, but the quotations. If you want to do it properly, I confirm she's doing quotation okay, marks. You have to shut the boat. Or you have to take the boat out of gear, and then make the cast. 
that technically you're not trolling and only then is it counted as a fly caught fish. That's a better argument. That is a better argument. What happens if you ma- what happens if you make a bad cast? Will it not take the fly? No, I still take the fly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it just because no. that would because that that would have solved it all together. Yes. You had to like put it right on the spot. Yeah. Can you no. explain uh, no. IGFA International Game Fish Association? Yeah. So international. Say, uh, inter- yeah, international. So they're like they're saying that uh, if you're troll like it's not that's not that does not count as fly fish. The boat's got to be out of gear. Now when we go out, we do take the boat out of gear because honestly, but it's still got inertia. Well, yeah, of course it does. Well, it's good. Well, it sets, it sets no, the hook well, for you. Check this out. Yeah. Duck hunting? <laughs> yeah. Duck hunting? Yeah, yeah. You got all momentum yep. from that engine needs to cease See, that's, before you can shoot your that's shotgun. That's how it should be. I agree. That's, that's, why, why, I'm, yeah. that's why I'm if giving not, you the argument. you're breaking the law. I'm giving you the better argument because I, you know I, I agree. Matt? I agree. Now, there is this thing, Steve, that you can do that's called free casting. So, so sometimes you'll see marlin just bake, like sun baking. They're just hanging out. But that's what I was going to bring up. That's so cool. No, that's, that's like my dream. Shit. I would totally be. I know that. a guy that used to harpoon him like that when he was a kid. All right. Let's check this out. They were they were sort they were a commercial fishing family. He's old, but when he was a kid, his mother was a pilot. Mm-hmm. His mother would go scout for swordfish, basking swordfish. Yeah. Put the coordinates in a canister, or you know, a bearing in a distance, and coordinates in a canister. And drop it out of her plane. Her father would get it, and they would move up. And they had a harpooner on the bow of the boat, and they would move up and harpoon basking swordfish. Oh my goodness, that's unbelievable! For commercial, like commercial, commercial sale. Stuff. Wow. So I was gonna say, if some dude went out and found himself a genuine bait ball in his boat, kayak, whatever the hell he's in, found himself a genuine bait ball, stalked in there. Stripped the fly through there and tied into a marlin. So cool, huh? I would be like, that son of a bitch called a marlin yeah. a fly. I'll give you that. There is no that. other yeah. way to discuss this. Yeah, no, it's a tough one. I've only been doing it. I mean, you and I, I can have an argument with you about steelhead forever, and I know I'll win when it comes to steelhead. Because I've been doing oh, it for yeah, so I'm not even going to argue with you about but, it. I don't know. But with marlin, though, I've only been doing it for four years, so I'm constant. And I've never landed one on the fly. I really don't know shit about it. But I know that it what fascinates happens? me. I just get busted off. Everything, everything that can go wrong goes wrong. So, and actually, I'm going to go next week because I'm just determined before this baby comes to get a marlin to the boat or to hand. I just so badly want to get one. It's just like it's a competition I've set up for myself. I'm not competitive with anyone else, and it's certainly not for any bragging rights. Like, you can't lift the fish out to get photos or anything. It's just for myself. I just want to know that. I just want to know I've done it. It kind of like, here's the thing, and, and, th- and I used to think this is going to sound horrible because and I used, to look at, I used to look at bass fishing a little bit like this, too. That it's people taking elements of golf, which I detest, and introducing golf elements into fishing. Mm, I disagree. Do explain. What's your reasoning behind that? Just like um, taking all the reality and the blood. Once you remove the reality and the blood, I I just feel like it it, it winds up, but um, it, it is reality and blood. Like, how can you remove reality and blood? That's like saying, how do you remove reality and blood from hunting? Like, become a photographer. Well, you can't. Right. Neither that, you, that you can't protects, with fishing either. That protects some of the sanctity of hunting. Right. There's people to get around it because people that shoot stuff and then don't take care of it or shoot stuff and whatever. I mean, there's like ways of um of breaking the chain. 
right, that leads from the action, which is a, like a, it's food. These are old food acquisition technologies. Sure. Okay. Like ways of acquiring food. Mm-hmm. Now, we've stripped out all kinds of shit, and some might argue we've stripped out the necessity, mm-hmm. right? If yeah. I don't hunt and fish, like I like to eat a lot of wild game. If I didn't hunt and fish, I'm sure shit, I'm not going to starve. I'd eat great. Okay. So the necessity is gone. And some people would look and say, dude, the necessity is gone. You've stripped the reality away. You just, it's nothing now. It's just a shadow. It's just a game you play now because the reality is gone. And I would look and, and I could explain that I do feel that the reality is still there. Okay. Cause this is a choice that I'm like, this is a choice I make about how I live and how I eat. But I'm, I'm open to the idea that someone might present that. And I think that once you get, but, but there's other steps. Like we all sort of find our own way. We all sort of recognize our own methods in life as being like kind of perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone else is a, a deviation from that. But I would look and say like some things, when you strip more of it away, it's just you're playing golf sure. with living golf balls. Yeah, I'll give you that with marlin fishing. I won't give you it with all fly fishing. Or all no, fishing, no, no, I would say about but, all five. I, I would say about yeah, all five. I'll give you that fishing. with Marlon because I know that for me, when I was first getting into it and learning about it, there was a whole lot of wait, what, like, what? How does that make sense? Or how does that make sense? I don't get it. You know, there were a lot of things that didn't, that still don't make sense to me. Same with the IGFA thing. You know, they want a fish in twenty pound liter, and my big 20 thing is twenty pound liter. <laughs> yeah, like twenty to thirty pound. And my big thing is, aren't you playing with fish longer? And that's a whole different argument, and that's a whole different guest because I'm not an IGFA player, but. Yeah, I'll give you that with marlin fishing. It is a game, 100%. Yeah, there's a whole lot of things and when you mar- look at it. And the balls are marlin. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, but I don't feel guilty about it because the marlin haven't, in my four years anyway, there's been no hurt marlin, I'll tell you that. But there's been a whole lot of hurt to me, but not to the marlin. Haven't heard of marlin yet. Oh, they're kicking my ass. Are you kidding me? Do they you? just go off I'm getting their owned. I'm getting owned. Do you fish with 20 or 30 pound I have meter? fished with... 30 and 40. Yeah. Yeah. I've never actually hooked up on 30. I've hooked up on 40. So you're saying to win, you got to be down to 20. In the IGFA. If you're, I don't do it. I don't know. Yes, but I, don't, I have no interest in it. I think that's strange that they would encourage stressing fish I out totally more. agree. But if you talk to, and actually this is an interesting point, and I'm not, again, I'm not the one to speak to. I've got a guest lined up on my show who is an IGFA record holder, and he is like frothing at the bit to get on the show to explain his point. And he thinks he has a very valid point. I'm interested in hearing it because he's adamant that a skilled angler can land that fish on 20 pound in the same amount of time as a non-skilled angler on 100 pound. Oh. Yeah, that's his That's his. But what about a skilled angler on 100 pound? His thing is it doesn't matter because you're using the drag of the water, right? Well, yeah, but you can say like a skilled hunter is going to kill a deer with a 22 more effectively than a real shit hunter with a 270. Okay, see, so it, it goes in Therefore, all Therefore, everyone should use 22s. That's like a very cockeyed logic. Yeah. You can lay that out. You can tell, you explain that to your guests. I don't know anything <laughs> about guns, but <laughs> I will do my best. Um, but in bass, in the bass fishing, you guys don't, um, f- the fight of the fish isn't really an issue. How so? Like, you speed them right up into the boat. That is how you eliminate like you will get them in easier the faster you get them into the boat. Typically, yes. So you yeah, know, we'll, like, we'll fish pass. Like if you're flipping, if you're flipping pads with a jig, you'll tie sometimes you eighty pound. That. So flip, so flipping, <laughs> flipping lily pads 
Flipping is a technique where you you basically you don't even <laughs> cast you you just have line hanging out the end of your rod and you grab in between your first guide and your reel and you pull that line out and that brings the bait up out of the water yep. and then you swing it out and then you let the line go and then it, it goes a little farther. It just is an easy way to like pick your bait up, stick it in a hole, pick it up, stick it in a hole. We used to call, you and, know what we used to call that? Cause we used to catch steelhead like that. What? Like, ch- well, be like chucking. <laughs> chucking. Okay. Chucking. Yeah. You're, or, like, you're like chucking. For st- Some people say chucking and ducking yeah. when you had lead on the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You literally did chuck right. and duck. So, so we'll run, we'll run 80 or fish and frogs over lily pads where the bass company didn't pull you down into a, a big mat of grass you'll run 80 pound braid direct to your frog and us and an eight to one retrieve reel no rules on, a, on, this. on a meat, on like total meat stick. Like just basically like a, like a broomstick. And as soon as they bite, you just reel as fast as you can. And they, you basically are skipping the fish almost across the water. So they don't even have a chance to really know what hit them. They're like just flying. So it doesn't, it does yeah. not always work like that. A lot of times they'll pull you down and, and you get hosed anyways. They're, Bass are cagey fish. They live in places around a lot of cover. They hang you up. They're not, big ones are not easy to land. See, and I can't even argue him because he's getting the fish in as fast as possible. So there's no argument there. My only argument is that the purpose of it is that you're doing it to catch as many as possible. But because it's bass, I really don't care because they're not really, not indigenous, but. It's more. It's not about getting them in. You want to get them in the best way you can, and it depends on what you're using to catch those fish. Like in Lake Washington, the the lake was really clear, so we were having to use drop shot for the most part with very light leader and pretty light rods, which means you can't horse on them too much. You want to bring them as fast as you can, but we're in open water, and so a lot of times you just have to play them until you get them in the boat. If we were running 80-pound braid and they were biting, yeah, we would have just sucked them right up. But, but what's, the, what's the goal, though, is to catch as many as possible in a tournament? The goal in a tournament is to catch the biggest five fish you can. Oh, and you I see. Co- and you okay. pull them. So yeah. you throw your smallest one back, put put one, whatever's bigger than that, until you have a, a bag of five fish that's as big as possible. I get it. Okay. You know why he was telling me that bass guys don't use... Tell us again why bass guys won't use live bait. I actually didn't know this. this okay. Interesting. He said it works too good. My opinion is that bass guys don't use live bait. Yes, one, because if you want to know really why I think bass guys don't use live bait, it's because it's from a marketing perspective, and it's because there's an entire industry established around using plastic and artificial lures. That's, and again, the aspirational element of tournaments. Tournaments drive the culture in bass. It's the same reason you've got a boat that goes 80 miles an hour and you know, like everything else. It's like because... The tournament anglers use these things, and that drives the market. And the people sponsoring the tournament anglers are all these companies that make money by selling baits. And now we've just circled all the way back to now you understand why my head is where it's at. I just, I just can't all of it. I just can't. It's just too much. Really? Yeah, I hate it's like it. Industry. I really hate it. It really bothers me. But I don't think that that's any different. That so because that drove me to the state that I'm in, where that's the way I like to fish for bass. <laughs> yeah. I could use worms and eighty pound braid and catch bass, but I don't. And I, and it's more difficult to catch them on, weight, yeah. on weightless senkos or whatever you might want to use and, and target them in that way. It, it's harder to do. That's no different than what you're doing. With fly fishing. I, I'm the biggest. Yes, hypocrite. to make it really yeah. hard. Well, I sound like the biggest hypocrite in the world because listen to the fly fisherman saying. I mean, basically, I just. You know, I'm calling myself out for sure, but just when you hear yourself say it, like, you know, why we don't fish, I don't know. Did you ever do television? Did you do television? No. 
No, like, like, actually, like, what do you mean? Do television? Like I've been on a television. television. I've been they, on a fishing television. Yeah, show where they before. want you to plug stuff. And like, today I'm using no. Billy Bob bass bucks. No, did I've you do, did that. you do a show about bass fishing? No, it was salmon fishing. Okay. 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 Yeah. What now? Why um? Why is that? Why has bass fishing? How come there's not another kind of fish that people want to go catch and you win a hundred thousand dollars for catching it? Yeah, redfish. Red <laughs> oh, Marlin. really? Walleye. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Marlin. There's giant. There's marlin. You can okay. win way more yeah. money in a marlin. So I'm wrong. You can win a million dollars in a mar in the in a billfish tournament. Yeah, you, yeah. Because Hemingway used to like to fish those tournaments. Yeah. Okay. That's that's big so boy. So bass, the bass and hasn't the, monopolized turn. Double it. The Calcutta. Yeah. So bass fishing hasn't like uh, cornered the tournament market. The reason bass fishing has cornered the tournament market here is because. Bass are in 49 states. They're very accessible, and everybody can fish for bass. And so it's a very relatable type of fishing. Got it. So everybody can fish bass. It's super approachable. That's why it is. It's like it's like a blue, it's a blue collar fishing. It's like basketball and or soccer. A, yeah, it's a it's the soccer of fishing. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Do you know what's funny? When I was trying to get my visa to work in the states, because there was a time when I wanted it, they wouldn't recognize me as a professional angler unless I had a certain amount of like competitive wins under my belt or whatever really? and i had i, I had really? to explain yeah that with my career that you know my reputation isn't based on these competitions that bass anglers have and they they like could not wrap their heads around you could have come down and you could we could have got some some wins some second place finishes in club nah, tournaments I'm and you married, would have been good to go <laughs> married in australia we could have won like 80 said, bucks yeah. it would have been great <laughs> right 80 bucks yeah but matt you've won some purses yeah 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 I mean, all all time we're definitely in the in the red, but yeah, we've won some money. We've gotten some checks north of a thousand dollars. It definitely doesn't cover the cost of tackle and rods and everything else, but that's no, no or sparkly yeah. boats. I, I, so tournaments there now anymore. It's like you don't even get trophies, or a lot of times you don't get plaques. I would rather have a plaque than a check. Like it's, it's a bummer to me that I don't get like a little trophy or something when we win. I, I. It's yeah, more about I would, the I would go with check, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, che- the check just, they're insignificant. It'd be one thing if I was making big money. Probably wouldn't care about the trophy, but the $200. You spend $350 in gas and whatever else to go to a tournament, you win 250 bucks if you win. It's like, yeah. give me a plaque. When, when I was in 10th grade, uh, in 10th grade English, you had to write a paper. You had to like write a comparison contrast paper. You guys know what those are. And I remember I did mine on Herman Melville, maybe Melville and Hawthorne, okay? My comparison contrast paper. And my 10th grade English teacher, Mr. Heaton, sent it in to an essay contest, the Ruth V. Robinson Essay in the Humanities Contest. Um, again, He asked me if he could send it in, and I said no. And uh, I don't know why, but he sent it in, and I got second place. First runner-up, which I thought meant I won, but then someone clarified that first runner-up is the way of screwing with you, and you're like, second place. <laughs> first place got a check, cash. Okay, they got like 500 bucks. Second place got a thesaurus. <laughs> and I was devastated because I went to the award ceremony thinking that there would be money exchanging hands. Did you know when you went to the award ceremony that you were... Not first runner up. I knew that. No, by then, then I had cleared, by then I had cleared up that I in fact had not won. Okay. Did you look up how many ways you could say disappointed? <laughs> yeah. So 
Yeah, dude, that's my next paper. My next <laughs> paper is yeah, the true meaning of this. $500 cold <laughs> no, hard so, cash. Yeah, so like, I go down there expecting to get money, but didn't get money and got a thesaurus and was seriously bummed because money is like, I think there's a validating effect of money. But the reason I bring this up about like money or a trophy, in this case, a thesaurus, and one of the ways that like a line I'll always remember is, and I'm in 10th grade, right? And I'm complaining about not getting the cash to Mr. Heaton. And Mr. Heaton said um, he was off by, by a wide margin, but I was complaining about only having the thesaurus. And he said, okay, she got $500, but there's $10,000 worth of words in that book, <laughs> which is good. The va- the, he undervalued it. He undervalued the English language, I would say. But it was like a, it was a thing that happens where like, Money is validating. And I think that you're a bigger man if you're happier with a trophy than money. Depending on how much money. Depending on how much money. <laughs> yeah. So if I said, Matt, you can have a hundred grand or a trophy. Oh come on. <laughs> yeah. No question. If if you if it was if it was a thousand dollars or a trophy, I would take the thousand dollars. But yeah. most of the time these tournaments like in our bass club, we you have these plaques, and every time you get a first, second, or third place, you get like what the lake is. It goes on this plaque, and it's got little other little placards you put onto the plaque that say like first place, ten mile lake, you know, nineteen pounds, nineteen point eight two pounds, and and you can fill them up. But we stopped doing that, and and you win sixty bucks, and it's not like life changing money. I want the little. Yeah, no, give me the, the I money fill gets those up. the money gets so little. See, so yeah. that the, the thesaurus becomes attractive. It's about the it, it's really about the compe- the com- the competition is what it's about. And so I'd rather have something to commemorate the fact that I placed well in the competition than the than sixty bucks, which is just a deduction from the three hundred bucks it cost me to get to Ten Mile Lake, yeah. and fish the tournament. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah, it's just a totally different mentality. Yeah. So when social media came around, just circling back to where we started on this. When social media came out, it wouldn't have been a big as big of a shock for you because you guys were already into having that sort of culture of like trying to prove yourselves and trying to showcase and trying to win. And bass fishing is still not really; they're still so far behind the times, social media wise. How I, can you guys be behind the times when you're the only ones who make money in this industry? Maybe that's why. Well, why maybe do they, they haven't need, monetized why do it in other ways? Right, yeah, why it. do they need it? You either like, you either like the proof. It's all you care about is the number. Yeah. Can you catch twenty two pounds worth of bass right. in this lake? You can make you can make millions of dollars if you're really good. There's only a few people that do. You can make millions of dollars just on tournament earnings fishing bass. You may not may or may not need. By the time you get to that point, of course, those hugely popular athletes are. If you want to call them athletes, of, you know the, the professional bass, professional bass fishermen, yeah. they are, uh, you know, generally older at that point. Not always, you know. There's, the, you're, I'm, I think I'm getting to a place now though where the people I was thinking of as older are now Not like my age <laughs> yeah. now, right? Yeah. Like I think of like, oh, Danny Brower and Kevin Van Dam. Well, they're they're in their late forties and up to sixty now. But yeah. now the now the a lot of times you'll see. Maybe yeah, yeah, you're not like, he wasn't so old after all. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but maybe, and this may actually go back to the athleticism a bit of it, at least in that you have to be in good enough shape to put up with the boat rocking and the casting all day, and that you'll notice a lot of times some of the older guys in bass fishing will start to phase out, and the younger anglers will start to do better. When I say younger, I mean people that are in their 30s. Oh, dude, it's exhausting to yeah. fish all day. Yeah, and, and to do it four days straight. Yeah. So not, just, not just one day, but four days in a row. Blazing ass sun. Blazing sun. 
Just yeah. like four long days of 18 holes in a row. <laughs> oh, we're back to the golf. <laughs> not even close. But here's the thing, because like, now, if, uh, if with the cart, if you have to walk the course, I'll give I'll give it to you. The, but the thing about with the social media that you're bringing up here, though, is this is the bass fishing is the meritocracy that you were saying you wanted. What does meritocracy mean? That things are handed out based on merit. That's what, yeah. That's what. You, that's exactly my point. That's yeah, what I'm saying. So saying, no, for him, no, bass fishing like. It would be that, like a professional bass fisherman would have nothing to gain. There's no image. It's just you're right. just selling your ability to do That's it. That's why if he does it, he wouldn't. It wouldn't be such a shock. That was my whole point. So, if he does it, it's not a huge shock. But in my world, in our world, it was like, wait, 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 what's going on? I mean, you don't, you don't, you're not supposed to advertise how your day is. You're supposed to keep it quiet because you don't want people to know you caught fish. You I don't know. want people to know who you're on the water. You, you don't want them. You. Yeah, you got it. So just so a totally even, different you world. You couldn't even like build up your actual certified credentials. You could, but it wasn't necessarily going to be well received. Yeah. That's a whole nother gambit. And, and what you would do is you would try to, what you should do is try to build up your credentials as far as your skill, but then you're not supposed to try to prove it with how many fish you catch. You're you still see? taking a bunch of people so, out onto the rivers all the time and yeah, showing them how to fish. Yeah, it's a really interesting argument. It's just a really interesting argument. And it's one now that we have enough people to be able to have these intelligent conversations because we've kind of we've been in social media for enough years to see where where we are today, and that's a whole different story. But back then, nobody knew where it was going to go, so it was just this whole big what if, you know, this big what if, what if up in the air. What's going to happen to our sport now that it's on the internet? So bubble. do you? But you don't regard yourself like. Do you regard yourself as a social media? No, but a lot person? of person. So many like a people social do. media personality. Tons of people think that's what I do. It's hilarious. Well, okay. What is a social media personality? No, I'm not a social media personality, not even close. But what I, I find interesting is a lot of people will write my bio, people who don't fish, and they will assume that because of my social media following, which actually isn't that high, but they'll assume that I make a living off my social media. And I've got to stop and go, like, can you actually revise that? Because I do not make my money off social media. I use it as a mm-hmm. platform to get the word out about what I'm doing, but I don't make my living off social. It's crazy. So if someone asked you, um, if you just were sitting next to someone on a plane and they're like, what do you do for a living? I work in fly fishing. And then I say, oh, I like to fly fish. What do you mean? I say, awesome. Good for you. I don't like it. It's, honestly, I'm at the point now where people would be like, what do you do for a living? And I'm a writer. And then I just hope to God they don't ask me what I write about. Yeah. It's too hard to explain. What do you do in fly? Oh, I like to fly fish. Oh, my, my brother-in-law likes to fly fish. What do you do in fly fishing? And then try explaining to someone what your career is when it's so spread out all over the place. So you get a no, you get sick of the conversation. Well, don't you? you know what? Don't Listen, you? I I I do. It's funny to hear you say that. Um, I start at the exact same place. What do you say? So I'm a writer. All right, you're right. See, which is like a really cop out, right? It's like fifty percent of the time they say, "Oh, really? What do you write ago, about?" Eight years ago, I would have been like dead nuts, right? Like any money I made, I made from shit that I wrote. Sure. That was like all of my income. Yeah. Was like. Tr- like the trading of goods totally here's my product that i wrote you give me money for the product that i wrote right flat ass outrider but now yeah it's like in in small talk which i can't stand I don't, like i don't like small talking with strangers no um yeah like stuff like that's painful 
It's just it's really painful. Like I'd rather kids have are, like your kids are in school and there's you'll find out about this. Your kids are in school and there's like endless events where you're supposed to go small talk with other parents. Yes. And you might be having conversations that go like, Oh, my friend was from there. I, I just Well, we live there. Now we live here. Oh, I knew a person that lived there. Now we live here too. Yeah. Um <laughs> You're like, You're hurting me. My ears right yeah, now, Steve. It's so, hurting my ears. And they'll be like, Well, what do you do? And I'm like, yeah. So what's the out? Like, what a can writer. we? But what can you? I'm going to start telling people I'm a stripper. It's just going to shut it down. You, you know what? what do you no do? One, I no am one, you're a right. No one's going to say like, what kind? Oh, what kind of nice. oh okay. And then they're going to go back to reading Where? their newspaper. Oh, I'm, serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. No, it'll it'll end it. Yeah, because yeah, I'm over it. It's not, I understand. Like, yeah, I'm all uncomfortable now. Totally, <laughs> but it's like it's not malicious. I mean, they they want to engage, right? And it's just fine. But then, but then they want to hear the story, and it's not like there's an investment of your time because they're never going to book with you. They're never going to be inspired. I mean, sometimes oh, they're inspired enough, but it's rare. Yeah, I'm being a dick right now. I'm yeah. being a, like they're not doing anything wrong. No, I'm not blaming them. I'm, I'm being saying, a like, dick too. But get, yeah, it's just like of uh, especially in an airplane. Like if you're honestly, already coming from not liking. Yeah. If you're already coming from not liking small talk with people you don't know, mm-hmm. that you're not going to wind up. You're not developing relationships. No. If I feel like I'm developing relationships, that makes Different. me happy. Yeah. If I'm doing a one-off chat yeah i i I just i have a hard time and then when you enter into that and then and then you gotta it's just yeah just it just drains the life out of me no that's interesting to hear that you have the same problem i just thought i was a bitch but 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 i never like i still come across charming i'll still smile and be like oh you know i'm a writer and then i'll usually try to change stuff and then i'll i'll say what do you do like just don't mind me whatever what do you what do you do stripper yeah so i'm stripper (laughs) <laughs> okay, it might work. Yeah, Yanni, what do you tell people you do? It's a tough one, too. People ask. Oh, all the time. Did you say you work in entertainment? No. Produce television show. They go, oh, yeah, what does the producer do? Television. Then, you, then you're stuck. Yeah, it's a long-winded answer. Yeah, there Man, needs to be them? something quick to shut it down. Yeah, I tell them. I, I generally tell them. That I, bass fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> and I got the $1,000 to do prove Do you it. say that? No. no. No, I, mean, I I'll tell people that I work in marketing. Got yeah, it. For us, usually I say I work in marketing in the shooting sports industry. Really, even though you're yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. No, that is really the primary market that we're in: is hunting, tactical. Those are the two primary oh. markets for what we call the category of sports cutlery or specialty knives. Sports cutlery, mm-hmm. specialty knives. Never right. So the, the reason that I don't. So I feel like. Maybe for the same reasons, but once I, start to, once I start, <laughs> once I start into that conversation, it requires a, a long train of explanation mm. that I don't really want to go into. So I will just give them a. Uh, that is the generalization. Maybe it's like I'm a what writer. Would be the, what's the answer that leads to the long train? Well, so I would say, I would say, oh, well, I'm a, I work. I'm a marketing director at Benchmade Knife Company. Well, what's Benchmade Knife Company? Oh. Well, it's Benchmade Knife Company where blah, 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 you know. And then I usually feel like, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they do or maybe they don't care. But it's going to require me to have a conversation that leads down the road of, okay, well, tell me more about sports cutlery or tell me more about shooting sports or, oh, tactical knives. Those are cool. Tell me, yeah. So if I'm invested in the conversation, I'm interested in talking to that person, then, yeah, I'm, I'm fine talking with it. But I generally also don't 
don't know that I, especially with strangers, really enjoy talking about myself that yeah, much. No, so I, I usually will ask them questions about themselves. You do quickly. it too. You do it. So for, what, for me, it's a, sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's cool. just a total mood thing. If they catch me at like 10 a.m. in the <laughs> yeah. airport and I've had like one or two coffees and I'm feeling pretty spry and I just got done on a hunting or fishing trip and they're like, so what are you doing? I'm like, buddy, you got an ear? <laughs> Pull up a chair. <laughs> you know, but yeah, like right now. I don't want to tell any stories. What do you say? Like, what would be, because my big thing is, because then they want to know my life story. Oh, really? Did your dad fish? How did you get into it? Oh, that's so interesting. Are there a lot of women in the sport? I just, what's a good way, without me saying I take my clothes off for a living, what is a good, like, help me out, guys. Give me a pitch. You're all about the pitches. Give me an excuse. What's something I can say to get out of this? To get out of it? I could say I work in marketing. You I could, yeah, or you could say, Ooh, I, say I'm a, I'm, say, a uh, I'm a professional, I'm a professional fisher. No, hell no. That's what gets me. No, no, that's no. never going to end. It gets me in. No. Oh, just to, you mean just to plain get out of yeah, the conversation like, you could say, you could say, uh, I don't yeah. work. Get me out of it. Oh, I'm a stay at home mom. <laughs> no, yeah, no. They might not, they might, no one's going to be like, no, no they're going to be like, well, how many kids do you have? Yeah, yeah, but none. So, yeah. But <laughs> I, think, that, no. I think it boils Working down to... Working on my first one. As, right, as much right. as anything. Like, so I'm not actually a mom. Giannis has a good point. It's probably what kind of mood you're in. And like, if you're just not... If you just really don't like talking about yourself with strangers that much, it, it, and you feel like it's not necessarily going to turn into something meaningful, then it doesn't matter what you say. Like, you're right. You could say I'm a stay-at-home mom. You could say I'm a stripper, and the person might say, like, oh, that's cool. Like, my sister was a stripper. Right, and you like, still get stuck tell in me about. Tell me more about stripping, right? Yeah. Probably no, the not, best but. way is to diverge the conversation and just get back at them. I yeah. think that's what's worked, worked for me best is just being like, you know, well, you know, I work in the outdoors. What do you do? Or, you know, I notice you're reading this. What is? And I'm actually interested in what they do. I just don't want to explain my life story. I know my life story. I'm not interested in it anymore. It's kind of cool to hear someone else's. To sum this whole thing up, mm. um, I'm going to say that I'm pleasantly surprised to hear that other people don't like that kind of small talk. And what it's going to change for me is I'm going to really make damn sure that I never, now I'm going to assume there's four people at this table who don't like that kind of small talk. Maybe the person talking to you. I'm really going to be very good about not telling, not making other people do what I now know is universally not liked. (laughs) Right, good. I'm never going to say to someone, what do you do for a living? Yeah. (laughs) I don't feel that I do that. No, it's just too loaded of a question. It's just too much. It's too much. Yeah. I'm done, man. <laughs> if I've ever done it before and I don't think that I have, I damn sure I'm not going to now <laughs> go up to someone now that I know it's going to be so annoying for them when I ask well, what they do for yeah, a living. Yeah, we talked about this before. We're pretty good at sussing out the hunters and fishermen. Well, I could smell at, them a mile away. At, at, these, Drawn at, to the, like at these little events. <laughs> so, you know. That's that's the conversation you got to go find. Then you just get to talk about hunting and fishing. Yeah, well, like yeah. I got to go to a wedding reception. If there's one dude in there that fishes or hunts, I'm going to find him. Yeah. If not, I'm not. I'm going to try real hard not to talk to anybody. Find the guy with the elk tattoo on his forearm. <laughs> 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 no. Yeah, I I uh, maybe that. So guiding, that's Sorry. the thing that I didn't like about guiding. That I decided like early on, I don't want to be a guide because I would come back from Alaska and I would have no interest in going fishing for salmon. I didn't want to. I didn't want to even look at a salmon and I just thought man this is like my thing I love fishing I don't want to turn fishing into work right and that so I can talk about fishing with somebody or hunting all day I because it's not work because it's not work and I think then that's a really interesting point you just said that because 
because like you, I made that mistake with fishing. And I love my, I'm very blessed to have my career. I'm not taking it for granted by any means. But because I do know the mistakes I made with fishing, and I know I don't want to make those mistakes with hunting, I, I can't tell if it's because I don't have hunting as a career or if it's that I just haven't been hunting long enough. But I'm more than happy to talk about hunting with people, non-hunters, hunters, whomever. Yeah. But I, it, it hurts me to talk about fishing. And if you really want to hurt me, Pull out your iPhone and start showing me photos of your fish on your iPhone. Nothing hurts. Or your eyes cousins, more. brothers. Oh, friends, that's what me and Yanni All wind up in. We we'll wind it. up talking to some dude who's showing us a deer, and it winds up being that uh, you could have just gone onto a website and like. By the time they get done with all this, is my cousin's brother's neighbors shot this buck. Yeah. <laughs> you just I'm like, what really are we talking about? Yeah. Here? How do we even get here? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no, so maybe that's what it is. Because, yeah, there's certain things I got no problem talking about. But with fishing, because it is my career, and because I'm just so sick of hearing my own story. So yeah. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But I want to touch on the hunting thing for a minute. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, have you shot a big game animal yet with a, with a gun or bow? No, nope. not successfully. I've been Are you fixing to? Yeah, well, I went stag hunting this year with uh, Adam Greentree. And we, he, he called what this one beautiful stag in you know, New Zealand? In Australia. In Australia? Yeah, we got great stag hunting in Australia. But I guess because I wasn't comfortable with the shit, the shot was, I mean, he came in at me face on. So you know how their ribs close up as they face you? And I was shooting one of those, like a triple, what do you call them? Triple blade, tri-blades or? Three-blade. Yeah. And I just, it wasn't the right shot for me, so I didn't take it. My heart was going crazy. And it was just, have you, obviously you've hunted stag before. Yeah, well, yeah, I have. And you know how in they Scotland come in. and New Zealand. Yeah, so you know how they roar that crazy. Rah! Yeah, I've never hunted them during the roar. But I've it, heard it, but I've never hunted them during the roar. It's the most incredibly terrifying thing that I've ever experienced in the most wonderful way. And of course, you're here in the ground, and you know it's like vibrating underneath you. It was amazing, but no, I wasn't able to get a decent shot in. So I'm going back. When so I go you back, had the restraint. You didn't just be like, eh, "What the hell?" Yeah, no, 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 um, no, no. I want it to be right. I want it to be right. So it wasn't right. But maybe this night go back next week. Because I was, I was telling Giannis that my goal before this baby is to catch a giant trevally and a marlin and to get a deer on the bow. Well, how many months pregnant are you? Five. In a bit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> my brother's no, I've wife. No, I've got him booked. So next week I go to Australia for my, mar- for my hunting trip and then I go on my marlin trip. So I'm, I've got my trips booked. I don't know if I'll be successful, but I'm going to go for it. My brother's wife, uh, she hiked up and killed a mountain goat when she was six and a half months pregnant. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to still be going until I'm seven and a half. Yeah. I'll be going straight through until they say I can't anymore, for sure. Can you hunt anything in Australia pretty much any time of year with a Feral. bow? Yeah, for the most part. You don't, I mean, obviously kangaroos are indigenous, but even they are open season. I have a no paw rule. I just don't eat things with paws. It's not, not even an ethical thing. I just don't, I don't know. And you count a kangaroo as a paw. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I just have no interest in hunting or eating kangaroo. I've eaten kangaroo. I don't particularly fancy it, so it's not that interested. And the fact that they call deer and that people, if I mean farmers, want them dead and then they just rot on their property. They don't even eat them half the time or they shoot them out of helicopters. It's just, it's a really great entrance into the sport is, you know, are these feral deer because you still appreciate and love them, but it's just a different mentality over there you mean because you feel better about killing the deer yeah the deer you, and, doesn't you and suffer, i had this conversation but the deer doesn't suffer no. less knowing that he's fair i know and when i had you on my show you had a super valid point but it's just for for 
the population wise. He's like, yeah, I deserved it. No, but for the population wise, it's easier just to wrap your head around a, sure. a lot of that sort of hunting. And same thing with the with the pigs. Like it's just yeah, like, but you just come in cold without understanding a whole lot of like complex history and structural, yeah. regulatory structure. You can come in cold and be like, okay, so I'm not doing. I can just without really looking into this hard figure out that I'm not doing ecological damage by hunting this animal. Yeah, and I don't think you're doing ecological damage by hunting animals that are wild in BC either, for example. But there is something for me, not even for me actually, because I'm I'm good hunting in both countries. I'm I'm quite content to, and I do hunt in both countries or on both continents. But like for my dad who's so opposed to hunting, it is easier for me if I am going to go down the, the path of having the conversation with a non hunter, which is just as painful oftentimes as talking about what you do for a living. But if I am trying to explain to a non-hunter why um, hunting in Australia maybe isn't so bad, the fact that they can envision people hunting them out of helicopters and then just letting them all rot in mass piles, that really, that really strikes a chord with them. They'd rather that animal be consumed. So it's just a good, it's a good starting point. Like I recently on my podcast started in, uh, interviewing hunters. I had you on there and I, I decided I had you and several other hunters and I decided to post my Adam Greentree podcast first for a reason, because he's an Australian hunter, because he could explain hunting to all my listeners who don't, you know, to, who don't hunt. He could explain hunting and always fall back on the feral animal thing, even though, let's get real, like the feral, the animals don't know they're feral, but it does help the non-hunter wrap their head around it a little bit better, I find. Like two people would say like, yeah, I believe in hunting as long as it's a feral. Some and some people actually do. Yeah, but they're, believe but they're not. As long but, as they're, it's feral. but they're wrong. Well, it depends on how far you want to go into like the. Yeah, no, they're, they're wrong. Yeah, I think if, if you either believe in hunting or you don't, full stop. End of story. But because there's always a conservation issue behind all hunting. Like, let's get real about it. I don't know anything about the Africa stuff, but I'm just talking about in BC and in Australia, whether it's an indigenous animal or whether it's introduced. There's always conservation. Um, background or, or, or reason somewhere behind that opening, for the most part. Somewhere in it. Somewhere in there, yeah. So you feel that if you're talking to your audience and they're fly fishing people, mm-hmm. that the fly fishing people, are, are you feel more comfortable uh, introducing them to the idea of hunting by having it be that you're out killing exotics? I thought that, because I was going to interview him anyway, and I just thought that strategically I might just post that one first because he came across quite gentle and he was just, I felt like he was a good starting point to introduce my listener to bow hunting. And, um, and I was right. I was right. The amount of feedback I got was incredible. The amount of people who said, I was actually really upset to hear that you were going to start posting about hunting. I listened to the podcast and it made perfect sense to me. I totally got it. And I think because Adam was able to fall back on explaining why a lot of feral animals are so bad to the ecosystem, it did give him a well, little more But he probably likes those animals being there, though, because he likes to hunt them. Of course he does. Yeah. No, we could take that argument as deep down as we want, you know, as deep down that road as we want. But the point is, for the average person who wouldn't even think to entertain picking up any sort of gun or a bow, it was just a good starting point. It, it gave them... It gave them a little bit different perspective. Now, of course, that same perspective is here in North America. The same conservation issues apply here. But for some reason, just as soon as they hear feral and wasted meat and helicopter culling, yeah. for some reason, they're just more receptive to it. And for me, I don't care how I get them to listen. Like, if I could just get my dad to listen just anyway, and if that's how I'm going to do it by talking about feral animals, then hell, I'm going to talk about feral animals. I find that here in this country where people, where people will be like... um. 
you know, all their life they heard because where they where they're brought up generally, how and where they were brought up. They've heard all their life like hunting's real bad, hunting's bad. They're it's all these you know indoctrination, bloodthirsty yeah. people. Um, when they start getting interested in hunting, they are working. They're trying so hard to find a way to justify it because they're kind of sickened. Yep. They're sickened by their own interest. Yeah. They're like, I feel this need to. I feel like I want to go do something, right. and I'm tapping into some deep thing that I want to go do. I just need to find a way that I can justify it. Sell it to everyone. No, to and yourself. So everyone to yourself. usually wants the first thing they want to go do is they want to go hunt a wild pig. Because they're like, exactly that way right. I don't need to deal with, <laughs> I don't need to deal with that much of trying to like figure this out. I think you have it kind because of Because I can fall back on this idea that the pig shouldn't be here, so this is going to be an easier way for me to get into this than getting into shit that's like really complicated and hard to get. Everything you just said is bang on in my experience because you're talking to one of those people right now. Okay, I've been, I've been brought up to understand that hunting is bad. It's unnecessary. Don't worry about where your food comes from. I mean, all this bullshit, right? Obviously, I don't believe in that. That's why I hunt. But the thing is, is that it's not about me justifying to the rest of the world. I, I mean, I wanted my podcast to be listened to by the rest of the world so that they could open their eyes and their ears a little bit. But for me, I'm that person you're talking about. And and it was never about justifying to other people. It was about justifying to myself because I was so confused because the animal, and I did this, this piece on social media the other day. There's actually a picture of the stag that we called in and, and it's the, the moment where I'm on full draw. We're like 15 yards from each other. We're literally, he, I, he, I'm watching him search my face with his eyes until his eyes lock into mine. And then we have that moment. It's just the most incredible moment of my life. And it was one of those situations of, I really don't want to shoot you. Like, please go away. Like, just don't, don't give me the right shot. Don't give me the right shot. And of course he didn't. So, you know, but it was a constant, it's a constant battle of if I really want to kill this animal, if I really want to harvest this animal, then why do I have this crazy urge to not pull the trigger? I mean, it's a constant battle within myself. It's very confusing. And I made my first hunt be a pig for sure. Um, I wanted to see, I was in Florida. Granted, it was just, that's what was in season. There were pigs. So I don't know if it was a conscious decision, but I wanted to see how I felt about having an animal die in front of me. And my buddy, my buddies were going on a, like on a hunting trip with guns. And I really was not, a, it didn't, I didn't thoroughly enjoy the experience. Um, but I did choose a pig. It was interesting to hear you say that because I did choose that as my first one, but to justify to myself, and it's still a constant battle, Steve. It's still a constant battle about why, when that animal does come in, why there's a part of me that's like, oh God, I really don't know if I want this shot. But then deep down, I really want the shot. It's very confusing. It's very conflicting for a new person. And I don't know if it's my own, if it's my upbringing and my indoctrination that inserts that sort of uncertainty, or if it's my own sensitivity or if it's my own uncertain, like, I don't know what it is, but there is something in me as a new hunter who's just a little bit confused by it, for sure. Them pigs want it being a gateway drug, though, man. They are. I think that, well, I think, <laughs> so, like, seeing your first animal die is really, it's a different experience, right? Like, it was a real experience for me to watch my first animal die. And I needed to see if I could handle it. And for some reason, for some reason, the pig was a justifiable animal for me. I'm not saying it's right, but I think it's an adult onset hunter thing where you're like, you're just mature enough to have collected thoughts in that moment and to be like, I do, but I don't, I do, but I don't run away. Don't run away. Where when you're 12 and that deer runs in for the first time, it's just, you know, tunnel vision. 
Yeah, all these people getting into hunting as adults, man, they're dealing with like they're on a way different trip than when you're like a kid who grows up way around hunting. Different. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's but it's hard. It's a very very conflicting trip. It's 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 difficult, and that is something we we're talking. You asked me earlier about if somebody said, you know, I want you to take people by the hand and lead them through, and that's the sole reason why I've introduced the 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 hunters on the podcast is just to have them follow with me in this crazy journey because it is conflicting coming into this as an adult it is for sure you just need to get one under your belt yeah it, it, next it's, week. It's, there's some un- <laughs> you have you have a sense of like i didn't grow up in a hunting family either you know didn't really start hunting hard until i was 18 17 18 and my friends could we had cars and we could get around on our own and all that but uh, yeah when you're young and you don't have a whole lot of maybe thoughts of your own at that point in time, and you're just looking to have fun. You get that out of the way early, then later on, there's always, there's always. If you really, if you sounds like you may be sort of soft hearted when it comes to well, animals, yeah, there'll always be a sense of remorse. Never been for fun. Don't ne- there will never, never not be fun. a sense of remorse. No, and, and it, it's impossible for me to not have a sense of remorse because there is that. Yeah. I don't Do know. you feel bummed out when you kill a chinook? Um. Yeah, for a moment, I do. Yeah. I the feel, fish are less relatable. No, I feel a little bummed. I mean, I kill a ton of grouse. I bow hunt, but bow hunt a ton for grouse. And my first few were, yeah, I don't know if it's remorse. It's definitely a severe appreciation. It's a serious appreciation. I do feel a little weird, though. Yeah, when I touch it and it's still warm, there's a little bit of... Yeah, but dudes eating chicken McNuggets, man. When they bite in that nugget, they're that's not why, like. But that's why I started like, hunting. Oh, there's twelve or how many? How many chickens are in one McNugget? Yeah, right. Sixty. But that's, but that's why I started. By the time they get them all blended yeah. together, you're just Ew. like, oh, it's dead chickens. <laughs> I like. Oh, but that's much why. More died but isn't nugget. that one of the reasons why we start hunting? Like, <laughs> I was sick to death. Of, no, I'm saying they don't. They don't have to cope with it. Those yeah. are still warm. Yeah. They don't need to cope with it. They don't need to think yeah, about. They're warm. Yeah, they're still warm. I like the term severe appreciation. It's a paradox. The the sense of elation outweighs the sense of remorse, but the sense of remorse is still there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, Matt. That's kind of where it's at. It's an interesting journey. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Elliott. That was good. (laughs) Paradox. So, April, do you got any any final thoughts you want to add in? (sighs) I don't know. You kind of derailed me. I got off, off on a bunch of rants. You know, I need no, to just. No, 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 you didn't. You had the one about where he grew up, which was interesting to me because I didn't realize. Yeah. When I, when, I, when I think of BC, I just think they're all like quaint little, cute little towns. Yeah, no. No, no. Google, well, no, that's not Google true. Surrey. Google Surrey. But yeah, no, I think the thing for me is if I had to just clarify in, summer, in summary, I'd say there's always, every time I teach, I always say two things. Like there's always asterisks beside everything I say, and there's always an it depends. Everything has an it depends. So. A lot of the stuff we've spoke and debated about today has been really like fast-paced. So I just want to make it very clear that the social media argument, I understand where there's hypocrisy in, in both sides. I understand where the argument can be debated on all sides. I get it. Uh, we, haven't had, we don't have 10 hours to sit here and hash it out. But yeah, I just want to kind of summarize that there are a lot of it depends. I mean, I meant everything I said, but there are some times where it depends. Social media has been great in a lot of ways for our sports it's been great for awareness and it's been great for advocacy and for community and all of that. But again, it depends. Yeah, it does depend because nothing really, social media is so big, but then nothing really has, like, what is, I don't know what it's done. Yeah, when you I mean, really like, dig what, away really, when at When you it. really stand back and look at, like, hunting in America or wildlife in America, okay, public lands in America, clean air and clean water in America, 
I can't sit back and go like, man, uh, things sucked, and then social media came out, and now, man, <laughs> shit is great. It's different. Like, in any it kind of tangible, <laughs> in any kind of tangible way. Yeah, but, but as far as like, as far as as far as the bounds within which we're discussing right now, sure. In any tangible way, participation, amount of money, amount of extracurricular spending. Or, or, or non-essential spending that a hunter will do or a fisherman will do for conservation efforts or how clean air and water are. But those are so broad, Steve. None, yeah. Like you're thinking broad. None of this shit. None of this shit has been improved by it. Right. It, do, it does not matter but the small, for the real things that matter. Right. But the small it's things. It's all bullshit. But the small it's things. It's all like Marlon Vision with fly rods. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> the small things that make up the broad things, though, do I have found make a difference. So hey, tell me. Yeah, just real quick. Just real quick. Tell me a thing that you're like, that part of the world sucked and then social media fixed it. I can't do what that part of the world sucked. I can tell you situations where we've needed awareness to be able to collect money and support to be able to fight big corporations in British Columbia okay. and having the exposure again, whether it be radio or r- written articles or social media or podcasts or whatever it may be, the, the awareness has helped to beat out large corporations because we've been able to accumulate funding to be able to, you know, have lawyers and, this keep in mind. This is coming from a guy that uses that, that, that uses it. Well, that's what I'm saying. But, Me but too. Like you want to speak the biggest hypocrite. That's fine. Yeah, but, but I try not to. Um, I try to be realistic about. I find your social media educational, and I hope that my social media is inspirational. I it. I just don't find either of our social media narcissistic. Yeah. I mean, I know if you go through my phone, you're not going to find a single selfie on it. I just don't do them. You know, there's not going to be an entire feed of me looking hot and smiling in the camera. And I'm certainly not fishing to get photos of looking hot and smiling in the camera. Well, if you want to be a hunting host, yoga pants, selfies is how you do it. Good to know. Good yeah, thing I'm you, never getting in the hunting business. If you decide to get into the hunting business, you need I'm to never go down getting and in the take business. pictures of yourself exercising and be like, getting ready for bow season. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you a that's, secret. That's the, fem- that's the female path to success. Now, if I feel like I might look hot in my yoga pants, I might date. No, this no. But hey, look, here's... If you're a- not catching the sarcasm. Yeah, no, I caught the sarcasm. But I'm going to be honest with you. I, and what I'm going to say is a big deal. It's a big deal. I have enjoyed bow hunting more than I enjoy fly fishing. Yeah, it's realer. That's huge for me to say that. And I love it so much that when I first got into it, I was so I, I loved it so much that I, it actually really threw me off because it was all I could think about, still all I can think about, and it really scared me that someone was going to try to take it away from me, and that was very strange to be like, well, who's going to take it away from me? And then I had to really look in, into myself and reflect and go, okay, this is this is your fear because of fishing, and so I just refuse to let anyone take this from me. This is mine. The industry, neither industry can have it. This is mine. You know what I think you're liking about it. What do you think? You remember earlier I was talking about that, the stripping away of realities? Yeah. I think that um, what you're liking about is it, it's, con- it's, it's, gotta, it's, it's con- more connected to the reality. It is. It's all reality. Yeah. Even it's more the, connected to that ancient food acquisition yes, technology. Even when the trigger's not pulled, just getting up on that animal, there, it, it's only reality. It is only, yeah, there's no game here. It's not a game for me. It's not a game for me. Because you're right, with the marlin, it's totally a game. But with this, with this hunting thing, doesn't matter, bow, whatever it is, this is not a game. No, you can't make them into a golf ball. No, no. Not when you're going to run an arrow through them. Take it really seriously. Yeah. 
Matt, what do you think about all that? So I was going to go back to what I was saying about like not liking to necessarily have conversations with people about, and I'll tie this in, but like, I actually do like... You mean so on I, an airplane talking to the dude right, next to you about so what you do I, I for do, a living? Well, so I don't like what, talking about what I do for a living, but I do like talking about knives, and I do like talking about Benchmade, and I do like talking fishing, and I like talking hunting, and I especially like talking hunting with people who either A, don't hunt, or even B, don't agree with hunting. Because you like most, that? Yes, because, yeah, most, so because most of the time I feel like I feel like I can champion an argument yeah. that will win out over somebody's argument against saying, I'm not saying that I'm like always going to be infallible in that conversation. But you're a but, pretty non-intimidating guy, too. Like, it's the same thing with Adam. It's a softer approach. I guarantee you. I guarantee you as a not-hunter, if I sat down with you, Steve, and if I sat down with you, I would be much more inclined to listen to what you had to say because... You're just a little softer in, in 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 your approach. That's the way I feel. Because you are so set in your ways, Steve. Like you would be intimidating, I think, for a non-hunter in set a lot of ways. Set my ways. Yeah, like you I change would, my mind about major shit every day. No, I understand <laughs> that, but like you just there's just a different approach. Like he's a soft guy for the most part. I mean, he like, admitted whether I like Giannis or not. Like all day, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Kind of, no, no, but like, <laughs> not but, really like, anymore. Like, like look at look at how look at how ready turned when he was talking about spying on his wife from the catwalk. Like well, that's creepy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think that I think that you're right. I think that um, I know I enjoy talking to non-hunters too, especially because I love going at it from a softer approach. I think you. Pro- I'm just assuming that you have a softer approach. I I just want people who are thoughtful about hunting and where that practice comes from to be able to champion that conversation as often as possible with people who don't to to change their mind to 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 have them realize that people are a part of the ecosystem and it's important for us to take upon ourselves that responsibility of being the apex predators and it's good for the it's good for the wildlife. He does have a soft approach. I've got to eat my words a bit because I googled you before I met you and I watched you tell some vegan guy uh, explain your point of view on it and you actually did a fantastic job. Like I shared yeah, it. I'm talking, there I'm talking to someone I don't know and I don't know what they know but if yeah. I'm talking to friends of mine and we're just like if I'm talking to friends of mine and we're like dicking around with like various ideas, I'm not worried about I'm not worried about like coddling them into some kind of belief. <laughs> right. I just like I'm not like you need to be gentle with young Matt here. <laughs> right. You know, it's like he knows what he knows. <laughs> yeah. No, but I get why you like talking If he does something, that, if he does something that seems funny, then me, I was gonna tell him I think it's funny. Yeah. I had a great time <laughs> fishing bass with him. I still think there's a lot of stuff about bass fishing that's really strange. I will not deny it. But I'm not going to roll up on some dude. I'm not going to pull my boat up next to a bass fisherman and be like, hey, uh, here's, here's what I think is weird about what you're up to over there. It's just not invited. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just a way different thing. Like to talk to, to talk to people you are friends with and admire. It's just like, you know, it's just a different. Okay, but if it's a not guy. The, it's not the rhetorical approach no. I would use if confronted with someone who says like, hey, man, um, I have serious reservations about hunting. Yeah. And here's what they are. What, now how would you handle some guy in the airplane? So you obviously... I don't, we don't, if I had an hour, we could mock up a conversation. Okay, gotcha. But gotcha, I wouldn't gotcha. handle it with them by like... It's just it's different. It's just a different conversation. It's not what we're doing right now. Right, right. No, but you don't, but you don't enjoy the conversation. That I would. 
Oh, you do enjoy the conversation. That okay. conversation, because that's not small talk. I don't like small okay, talk. Okay, that's all I was trying to oh, get I don't like the kind of to, thing so. where you're like, oh, and then we move to... Got it, got it, got it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I got oh, so, a friend that you said there. That's you why sounded... you're seeking out the hunter. You like meaningful, you like meaningful conversation. Yeah, but someone, you, do, you do like the conversation. Okay, if someone says, I see you reading a hunting magazine, yeah. uh, young man, um, I really just dislike hunting. Yeah. And I'm not unfamiliar with it. Yeah. I grew up in a hunting family, and I came to hate hunting. Right. I'd be like, let me Let's put talk. away my work. Got it. I would okay. love to have a long chat. That's all I was wondering. Got it. Okay, all right. It's so we're on the same talk. page there, right? Yeah. Small talk. Okay. No, that's cool. All right. So we're Where I'm on the telling same page. someone, well, we have three kids. Oh, my cousin had three kids. <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> right. I also don't want people to think that I, I'm like. Avidly against, dude, <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's okay. Everybody knows I'm a creep now. A- avidly, against, yeah, I'm not against retention bass fishing either. <laughs> as long as they're smaller than 14 inches, you should keep all of them you want. Got it. Yeah, they taste great. They, they do taste good. I think I caught my first smallmouth bass intentionally today. It was always bycatch. Mm-hmm. It took a while to get the hook set down, but then you were on them after that. What uh, What were you fishing? To get, you were catching them accidentally. Like, how were you? I don't know. Just here and there. I was probably just floating down some Michigan River with a spin rod way back in the day. Just whatever bites. Just chucking. And all of a sudden there was a fish, and I probably didn't even, wouldn't even go and name it, you know. But, uh, no, that was a lot of fun. But, yeah, I was being too gentle with them. We've been fishing all week with, like, like uh just like subtle takes on the redfish and um I don't know. We just besides the sailfish and the uh and the wahoo, those weren't subtle takes. But the um I don't know, everything else is real touchy feeling. And I th- I was, you know, Matt's little dinky rods and the the drop shot and the little bitty worm. I've never even fished a soft plastic that small. I've always fished like stuff that's been six, eight inches long and we're fishing what are those? Three, three inch, inch? Three yeah. inch, yeah. But um yeah, I was uh, I wasn't giving it to him. I really started reeling down, getting oh, that really? down in the water, and then ha! And that was getting it done. Yeah, you know, nothing yeah. better than punching a eight-oct barbed hook right through the face of some bass with eighty pound tests. Oh you, my god! Gonna, I'm sorry. <laughs> they are just gonna pitch back. <laughs> Uh, be like, I taught you a lesson, Mr. Fish. I would like redneck country. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things we need to get into this, but that, this is going to be my concluding thought. Is that was one of the things I thought was most interesting when, you know, Matt and I for a long time have been planning on, uh, since past bear season, we've been planning on bass fishing yeah. this weekend. He's going to bring up his big fancy bass boat. Yeah. And I've been very excited to do my bass fishing. And then we arranged, you know, were you able to come talk to us? And if it's just a funny thing to think about would be that um, fly fishing is oftentimes, in the outside eye, is oftentimes associated with like a, a sort of elitism, yes. an outdoor Super elitism. Yeah. And bass fishing is sort of this like lowly, right? Depending on your tactic. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the stereotype. Yeah, right? yeah, the stereotype. So a stereotype, yeah. you could, you, there's people that have a stereotype of like, the, there's like this elitist quality of, of fly fishing, like yeah. this like holier than thou quality of fly fishing. And, there's, and that same guy, right, doing what he likes to do, could also sit and he sees a bass boat and he's going to have this, right, redneck hillbilly, you know what I mean? But it's funny because like when you look at like the, the, 
if a Martian came, yeah, okay, a Martian wouldn't pick up on all this. No, a Martian would be like, the these, there's thing. these people who like to go out and catch these fish. And um, it means somehow means a great deal to them to catch these fish and let them go, and and, and I'd imagine they all get along very well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just the way it's marketed. You guys are just marketed so much different. It's just, differently. It's just a different world. No, it is. It's just like it's just it's peep. It's there. It's fun to go catch fish. Yeah, and there's all different fish. ways of doing it. That's right. Yeah, there's different ways of doing it, and they're really. Um, if you get hung up on the differences, it's because you already know a lot about it. Yeah. You're probably just looking for something to and make it out, more interesting. Yeah, an outside perspective. It'd be like, this, this is going to be a matter of including thought. Like, you know, like in certain countries, Catholics and Protestants fight a lot. Right. right? They're not fighting the devil worshipers. Like, if you go like, you're like, ooh, you know who really gets me mad? It's a Protestant, right? It seems like who'd really get me mad would be a devil worshiper because that's like the real opposite of me, right? You yeah. tend to kind of, there's like little in, like it's, people have a better tendency to do a sort of infighting. Yeah, but it doesn't do it anyone any good. I mean, that's why I get upset when people hate on bait guys because the people we should be hating on in some situations are, let's say the government or, or you know, commercial net or whatever are trash in the habitat. Yeah. Like, and if we actually teamed up with, if the fly guys would just get over themselves and team up with the bait guys and the bait guys would get over themselves and team up with the fly guys, we'd have a much bigger community to actually make a difference. Yeah. So. You'd start a thing called the clean water and lots of fish Alliance <laughs> and all, amen. And all these types of fishermen with their like idiosyncratic methodologies would join together and fight for clean water and lots of fish. Yeah. Infighting is a very dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, Matt, you redneck. April, I'm, a red, I'm a red leg. April, you elitist. <laughs> <laughs> no. Missed, missed a little sunscreen. I'll go bass fishing with you. I love bass fishing. It's super fun. I think you'd have a lot of fun. Yeah, even in your sparkly boat. Yeah. Yeah, we were catching fish out from under people's no, apartments. being in that boat's half like the fun. <laughs> I mean, that's all special out there today. I bet Amongst you did. those sparkles and standing on those decks, leaning against the fancy post, watching Matt up there working the trolling motor. And he had to really work it, man. We were getting worked over by the wakes. I mean, it was a war zone out there today. It's a, it's the a boat it's a, Yeah, there's a lot of um, recreation on that lake, man. Unbelievable. Matt, you I, need to come to Australia for some Australian bass. Be awesome. Yeah, they're fantastic. Highest density in the United States of boats. This yeah. Place, yeah. yeah. Oh, seriously. We were taking waves, and these boats are built to take rough water, and we were taking waves over the bow today from boat traffic. Really? Yeah. Well, we were on the trolling motor. Oh. That's... Not even under power. It was and... extreme smallmouth bass. Yeah, are you, are you sure. prepared to charter a C-130 to get that bass boat over to Australia? I bet we could find somebody <laughs> that has a bass <laughs> boat. What if I told you that we may have a bass boat? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You I'm not do? kidding. We do a lot of bass fishing. You know, oh, really? You know, yeah, tons of bass fishing. Awesome. We'll take you bass fishing. All right. Is that a native bass? Yeah, Australian bass. Really? Yeah. It's really crazy, too, because they're in the same small rivers as bull sharks. So, like, you can't get out. And sometimes we catch bull sharks by accident when we're bass fishing. Are they yeah. more like a peacock bass or more like a, like, are they, are they flashy or drab? No, they're pretty drab. I think they look like a largemouth bass. It's exactly they? what they look like, yeah. They're incredible. Really? They feel. What's a, what's a big one look like? How big is a big one? What's this in your guys' system? That's a giant, big. A giant. <laughs> Gigantic. 
Yeah. She's she's showing us about okay, I'm what, this twenty four inches, right? Yeah, yeah. About, she's about showing like us like a queen mother, a queen mother. Like that's pounder. trophy, 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 trophy. Yeah. I'm saying my, my average probably like this. What's yeah, that? So three, three pounder. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty average. Okay, pretty average. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, it's good times. I'll take you up on that. All right, let me know. All right, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us on the show. Oh, Yanni just pulled up a picture. Yeah, he looks like he lived right here quite nicely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought I caught something that looked just like that rock bass. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a giant rock bass. Mm-hmm. And then we have this thing called Murray Cod. You ever seen a Murray Cod? No. I've heard a lot about those from Australians. Can you punch in Murray Cod? Mm-hmm. And you are a Yes, please. You fish for them the same way as you do with bass. So you get all up with your big poppers or whatever it is that you're yeah. fishing. And you get right in tight. And I, I love those little things, those little lures you guys have. But they're like $30 a pop. They're mm-hmm. crazy. Um, that's, yeah, but look at how big these things get. Yeah, some walleye-ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But look how All right, big- ladies and gentlemen, we're going to duck out and look at, uh, we're going to duck out and look at, uh, online someone images. Else is, someone else is Have a good night. For three days only, save up to 30% off bestsellers from First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store. They'll also have for sale the Bear Grease Trucker Hats and Camo. They're included in this sale and all the great gear on First Light. Whether you're fishing, shed hunting, scouting, sighting in rifles, or cutting lanes, your gear needs to keep up with all your spring and summer pursuits. The sale has you covered. Hurry, the sale ends May 16th. Shop now at firstlight.com, F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com.